Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Bingetown TV. This is Brian here with Kyle, Kathleen, and Luke. And today we are continuing our Rooks and Vets coverage of Sci-Fi's The Magicians, Season 5. This is going to be our final episode, episode 13, entitled, fittingly, Fillery and Further. And my instant take as a Rook finally earning his Vet Stripes is satisfaction. A finale that, while was not perfect was very solid, leaves a good taste in my mouth. No major complaints that that are sticking out to me. You know, some things that rub me the wrong way, some things I would have done differently, but overall, I'm satisfied. Kyle? First, up dog. And second <laughs> would be that I agree. Um, I just think it was typical magicians, you know, up until the last almost minute. You know, you almost, we have no idea what's going to happen. Kept us guessing the whole time. Uh, the season itself as a whole, a little shaky, not really in a bad way. It was just kind of all over the place, but I think they they kind of steered us into a nice little landing. I agree with that, just that it was all over the place. This episode was also very fast-paced, yes. very fast-paced. And I will say that the only thing that I'm sad about is that the potential for a season six is through the fucking roof. I would do anything for our new filler to see our new fillery homies build new fillery. And, and I want to, I want to stop you by saying it was fast paced, but I don't think the pacing was terrible. Like it didn't seem rushed yeah. in mm. terms of pacing. It just was fast paced. Yeah. Which can be an issue with finales when they're trying to tie up all of their loose storylines. I think a few things were, were wrapped up too fast, but we'll get, yeah. we'll get to it. I think that was the second time I've actually watched the episode since it came out live. And man, dude, like I thought I was good. And then like the last scene happens and every hair on my body was standing up just instantly. And I was like, holy shit, dude, this is real again. Like, fuck. I know. But honestly, I love it. And you got to view this episode and this season through the lens of we brought it up before the writers didn't know if they were going to get another season. So they were going to wrap up as much as possible with leaving their foot in the door to kind of, you know, keep some of those threads. So not I will not complain about any of those kind of thing, things except for Penny 40. But other than that, it, I just loved it. I thought it was great. And it was poetic. The ending and new fillery, all this good shit. It was great. You know, it's interesting. I accept it that it was canceled quote unquote that it was the last season in stride right as as best as i could but now i'm like what does sci-fi have to fucking offer they keep launching these one season shows that fail the magicians was their bread and butter baby like a cash cow it had to have been it had to be their top show it's obviously the best and it has a it had a decent following because now i'm dealing with this with winona earp where they're trying to find a new home and they had to battle for season four just on sci-fi and they're probably gonna find another place for season five like i've listened to podcasts they're getting out there they're pitching to all their like i'm i'm wondering why we didn't hear about all the pitching that the magicians did for a season six. I don't know if they just accepted it. Like, okay, we're, we're good to end here. Or if they actually did fight tooth and nail to get a six, I I'd be interested to know that. But now watching this during the Winona Earp fight, I'm like, God, we could have more seasons of this. So many more. I would have watched it until they fucking ruined it. <laughs> I would have watched <laughs> these characters forever. The biggest issue is like, it was just how expensive the show was making. Mm -hmm. It cost to make 
and it, everything keeps escalating. We're never slowing down. It's just going to get wilder and wilder. Yeah. The fan base has always been there. I think it's critically acclaimed. Yeah. So it, it checks all the boxes, except it just was too expensive to make, I think. And I cannot believe that Netflix didn't throw some money at this and just made it an original. Sci-fi just doesn't have the viewers. They really yeah. don't. They, so they don't. I was just about to ask, Kathleen, you might know, what is like their flagship program right now, Sci-Fi's? There like, isn't one, I don't think. I mean, they have yeah, Red so, so I'm watching. Maybe? Oh, no, 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 no. That's Amazon now. What was The Expanse? It wasn't sci fi. It was like one of those. Just, okay. Yeah. So they have, <laughs> they have Resident Alien right now that's happening, which is the guy from Firefly and Serenity, the librarian girl, Jewel State, who mm. is in, in this that, that has the masturbation joke in season five. That was their <laughs> show together. Um, And then they had. So. They're coming out with the surreal tour, but they Tim Rosen's last show, I can't remember, got canceled. Then that Julia's real life husband show got canceled. Assassin's classroom or something. Assassination uh, classroom or something. Uh, we got it wrong. Deadliest class. Deadliest something mm-hmm. in fucking the anime. Yeah. Well, just the fact that we can't even fucking name a sci-fi show is enough to tell you that. What the fuck? Yeah. I was just going to say that you could have made up every single one of those TV show names and I wouldn't have known the difference. Yep. Yeah. Any episode where you can plug Assassination Classroom, though, is a good podcast episode for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, let's jump in. Yeah, we're all upset there's no season yeah. six of Magicians, but we could talk about that for another hour. Nonetheless, we do have episode 13 of season five, and we start off, it's Christmas morning in New York. Uh, Santa Claus had just rescued us from the heist, and Alice, I love this scene. She's in her PJs, literally just wiping her eyes, waking up on Christmas morning. And we have this conversation between Alice and Santa, where he's just saying that he brought everybody gifts, you know, because of their questing lifestyle. Who knows if they're going to live till the next Christmas, whatever. And they have this nice little heart-to-heart where Santa just stays steadfast in his belief that Alice, you know, I told you once and I still maintain that you are good. Obviously, our girl Alice is always questioning herself but he says no alice like you you gotta accept with what you've done in the past you are a good person santa looks dope as fuck in this i was gonna say that they totally did not even need to bring the actor back Uh because the the end of last episode was perfect he rescued them he drops them off in marina's apartment but the fact that he got to stay i'm sure he was begging he's like put me back in this fucking cast Uh like this is awesome great moment the biggest thing he drops besides like giving out the gifts that that pay off later is we find out that his gift to Alice was Quentin's page. And that's just, again, another huge tie in. I'm very satisfied with that. Okay, so boys, Rooks, I all season wanted to bring up the fact the page a little more. But since I know it was never Quentin's to begin with, Mm -hmm. I didn't want to ask you, what do you think Quentin was doing with that page? Because he wasn't he never had it but we never really dove into that did we did you guys dive into why quentin would have that page on any episode that maybe i wasn't on well we must have because penny outright says it the first episode that they find out what the page is he's like what the hell was cold water doing with this page and we so we must have talked about it but it's one of those magicians things like we can never speculate that the reason was santa claus put it in the drawer for alice to find you know so i don't think we we spend too much time on speculating but this this works you know this makes way more sense than quentin was doing this himself on the side right 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 when Uh, penny asked that question i think alice responds with like she has an idea which is now looking back is interesting because it wasn't his to begin with but i I mean yeah it was just very 
I don't want to say nebulous, but just wasn't really a thought that I was thinking yeah. ever. It was more focused on a lot of other things rather than where did Q get this page from? Boy, where were we? Yeah. yeah. And then also yeah. knowing Q, I mean, it could have literally just been a random thing too. Mm-hmm. In the books, it's interesting. He's in the Netherlands when all the books are being like destroyed and he grabs a page out of the air and then he brings it back. And his Santa was? No, no, Quentin was. Quentin. Quentin oh, gotcha. Isn't that when he meets Penny and he's floating without his hands yep. and shit? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's all. That's all cool stuff. Yep. Um, okay, so let's get back to Santa. So he ends up disappearing, apparating. I'm going to use that word a lot this episode. He apparates out of there once the rest of the squad wakes up. They come down. They have this cute little, you know, circle moment where they're opening up their gifts. And I might be missing one here, so correct me if anyone has it written down. I have Santa got Elliot a bracelet, which pays off in the very, very end. Zelda gets a dope smoking pipe. Set up. Very cool. Margot gets the 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 case for her eye. <laughs> Fen gets a knife sharpener. She has the knife right on tap. Just should start trying right away. <laughs> Penny gets baby stuff. Like it's like a holder, right? Yeah. And then Josh gets a, a microplane. It's microplane. it's the thing that you shave lemons to like I had, I did not know garnish your food and yeah. L- Alice so Santa knew what that gift was and Alice was just like he's not going to like it he already has six and literally when they're opening gifts you hear Josh say oh my gosh this model sold out everywhere <laughs> <laughs> so and of course he uses it to make the sandwich later too which is yes he sandwich. does yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. nice. And then I think um, right what? as this happens, did we miss Katie? Katie doesn't get a gift here, right? Katie does not get a gift, um, but this is where we get the bunny. What the pumpkin spice fuck, which is really funny. And yeah. I remember loving it live when she said that. I was like, <laughs> I love this bitch. Sorry. So no, you're good. It was worth mentioning because that's a great Margot one-liner as all of her one-liners are. But we have this bunny drop onto Josh's lap and it says, Fillory needs you now. <laughs> And that's where we get the flash cut to Elliot in the NYC apartment. And they immediately mobilize into planning mode. And Elliot, great call out from the miscreants in season one. He says, Achtung, miscreants, which means danger in German. So danger is afoot, miscreants, essentially. So yeah, Achtung, miscreants, danger is afoot. And we get the intelligence that Rafe has been sending these bunnies uh, and has essentially informed them that the DK is planning on making his move for the underworld portal tonight. Everything's going down in Fillory tonight. So they get into planning mode. We have the Rapture Fillory team. So Elliot and Margot are going to go to Fillory and go to the Clockwork Heart to turn back time. And this is where we have Plum sneak mm. in. And I was, there was too much to worry about in this episode for me to really register. But I was just like, why is plum in here in this serious planning mode and why is she asking the questions that i feel like these are good questions to be asking um and we find out later but kyle were you i loved that payoff were you getting the same vibes or were you just like not even noticing what was going on yeah i mean it was just i also was a little thrown off of like how abrupt the smash cut was they were already pretty deep i felt like into having this plan and then she does kind of roll in i mean she asks she talks the most in the scene. She talks more than anyone else, which I thought was. She tries to get them not to go to the Netherlands, right? Yeah. And they which... have an answer for everything. And Margot kind of shuts her down. Is like, listen, like this isn't our first fucking rodeo peach or whatever your name yeah. is. So. Yeah. <laughs> this is my Talking first donkey show. <laughs> <laughs> that for me is basically that's the time loop moment, right? Like she's trying to yep. push as Jane would do, push something slightly. And I just, I, I thought it was weird. Cause I didn't even remember that it, like the payoff that would come later with the penny conversation but just like looking back that's awesome i think that's so great 
also, I mean, I mean, the best question, does she, does she ask where the seat is? And Fen just kind of happily replies, it's in my vagina. <laughs> well, because they say retrieve the the seed from its its container and then they're like she's like wait where is it <laughs> it's in my vagina she's the only one who doesn't fucking know where it is best <laughs> anything for to reference it again because it's perfect she would have to keep it up there that whole time yeah perfect so they're saying that the team world seed led by alice and zelda are going to go to the netherlands because the circumstances are more stable that's when plum asked you know tries to push him in the wrong direct the right direction i don't know however you want to phrase it uh they kind of, like you said, Margo pushes it off, and then they say, "We just have to make sure that the new world has a wellspring so magic can exist." And then that's when Julia's water breaks. And Fen is hype. Fen is so excited yeah. that her water is broke. She's like, "Ooh, baby!" Fen, I think, got such an amazing episode. And like, I know Margo was still a little bit mean to her sometimes, but I, oh my god, once we get to that end scene, she got a better ending than I think. I don't know. Katie. I mean, I've been on ending, but in terms of the finale episode ever, Fen had must have had double or almost triple the screen time of Katie. Yeah. But Katie's ending makes total sense. Yeah. But they didn't even give her like, they gave Pete the lines. Katie doesn't even say anything in that scene. They give Pete the right boss type line. And then we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Sorry. I keep, I'm too excited to talk about the very end. (laughs) I know. <laughs> so yeah, like you said, Elliot says and break, and then Julia just starts laugh- laughing. Oh my gosh, my water just broke. Uh, and this is where we get our first of a couple scenes that take place in the infirmary. They're a little bit disjointed, but it makes more sense for us to just hit them all in one go. Uh, it's just a little bit more convenient. So the first scene is Lipson prepping for Julia's arrival. You know, they're expecting this unicorn baby, if you will. Uh, and this is all in the break bills infirmary slash medicus for those Spartacus fans out there. Mm. What up? Um, and this is where we get Katie coming in with a familiar face. Our boy, Hank Fogg. I was pretty excited. Me and Kyle were hoping that he was coming back and we kind of last episode, we're just like, yeah, we're going to see Hank again. But they gave him to us super quick. We didn't get a showdown with 17 and 40. Fog 40 just got spit up when 17 went. It happened off screen. But this was satisfying. He's like insane. Right when he walks through the door, he's speaking gibberish. I was like, what the hell is up with our boy? But I was happy he was back. Makes total sense that if you're stuck in the etheric realm and you're just filled with just happiness and just all this perfection and partying and all that to be thrown back into just basically becoming dead sober it would fuck you up and this makes total sense that the way he's just mentally shattered a little bit but i love that he's back and he plays such an important role in this final episode it's also very noteworthy that Rick Worthy is acting when he's doing all this gibberish straight into holding the cat being like, well, yeah. <laughs> back into our mans. I was just so going to say that. No ulterior motive. Just wanted to shout out Rick Worthy's acting. Right. Yep. 100%. What we get next is Fog is just screaming like he's crazy. And Julia and Penny also arrive in this scene, which takes us to the next scene. It's Julia, Penny, and Lipson. Julia is you know, about to pop here, about to actually give birth. And Lipson reveals that this is the first time that she's going to be performing this surgery because, you know, it's a unicorn baby. This doesn't happen very often. Julia has a nice line. She's like, all right, unicorn baby time. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we just have a flash to Fog 40, who is still freaking out. And then we have another really quick scene where an orderly just kind of walks by and notices that Fog 40 had disappeared. Question, did you guys think 
that there was a chance that it wasn't fog 40? Did you think he had some malintentions? What was going through your head when you saw he was gone? When he was gone, I thought it was fog 17 pulling some bullshit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I would say not immediately when he was gone, but when he reappears. Yeah. yeah I was yeah. like, he's on some bullshit. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was more the scene when he steals the seed. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that, at, up to that point, I mean, it feels bad. You know, it hurts my soul to have doubted fog 40 but they had fed us evil fog for so many episodes in a row that it was like yo this guy's up to something yeah yeah i also really like when lipson says to julia yo you want drugs girl say it now and <laughs> our girl julia can get through fucking anything she'll need no drugs lipson looking great with the lipson glasses looks great. Mm-hmm. The, the fucking the, glasses the benjamin fo- uh, benjamin franklin bifocals <laughs> dude those are the the shards that we've all like love on literal crack like yeah. if we like i don't even know how to describe it but like it's so cool to watch them use the little pieces of glass basically but imagine they were all rolling around with those headsets on so cool They're like night vision goggles all right so our next scene we're back in the cottage for the first the last first time of an episode super sad love the cottage and of course we get my boy hyman <laughs> just sitting in here what we find out is, of course, they're looking for a traveler to help them with their plan for this episode. And as soon as they bring it up to Hyman, he's dropping lines like, Nyet. he's like, oh, hell no. Like, he just <laughs> wants nothing to do with this. He wants no parts. You know, I think it's I think it's Elliot, Charlton and Elliot's head and Margot who are the ones trying to convince him. And then this is when Charlton in Elliot's head offers to switch spots with Hyman and Hyman go back to the astral plane, live in the perverted ghost style that he is so used to. Um, he's actually kind of hype about it. He's like, fuck yeah, I'll do that. But on the promise that if Charlton gets his body, he's got to do some depraved sexual shit and there's <laughs> nothing off the table. Yo, Hyman is such a creep. But like this yeah. fell into place so perfectly. I have no complaints other than that. It's like a little bit cheesy and it, but it didn't seem forced. You know, it makes sense. Hyman did not want to be in his physical body. Charlton needed a body. It works. It seems almost so obvious but like it's so wacky magicians that it's difficult to predict it. But like now having seen that it happened, it was like almost staring us in the face the whole time. Hyman says in this scene, like I'm a man who is hooked to a machine for pooping and humiliation and I abhor it. And it's like, that's so true. That is exactly how he feels about it. My favorite is just kind of the reaction of Elliot and Margo. Like, ah, Charlton, you crazy. He's yeah. never going to go for that. He's shooting his shot and he sunk it. It was really nice to see margo even talk to him because she knows him through her like stint yeah, as elliot yeah. i really like that like charlton you're dumb he's not gonna <laughs> do it like knows he's so- listening somewhere even though <laughs> she can't actually see him but i think again the payoff here is just seeing the actor who plays hyman act like charlton mm. her- so good such mm. a stark difference it was incredible i i needed that i needed that I will say awesome. though that I have very few complaints. I'm I'm usually a super critic when it comes to anything. I love tearing shit apart, but this is one of my complaints of the episode. Um, it's it's the second part scene of the actual spell going down, right? Where Charlton and Hyman actually they have like all these like web stuff on them, and it, and it works. But I was thinking before this even happened, like, dude, how are you gonna fucking train someone to travel in five minutes? And of course, it doesn't work like that. So. Was the only reason they did that just for the Elliot payoff in the end where Charlton has a body now? I think they were just giving it a shot. I thought it was worth a shot. Just felt like. But also Hyman, like 
fucking ovary up and do it. What the yeah, fuck? He knew he yeah, that's debris on the dome. Yeah, he was worried about debris. That's actually really true. I now that you mention it, I'm actually a little upset that they didn't make a deal with him. And OK, you travel us safely out of Fillory and then we can do the transaction. That's a little whack, but and it makes it even worse right away when Margo jumps in and says, oh, fuck it. I got another shortcut like I don't know. Well, now at that point, that Margot knew exactly what she was doing. So I yeah. like that, that that's part of Margot's character and that she made the decision to sacrifice herself. So I'm actually happy with that. But it's also, I mean, yeah. if Hyman could anticipate he was about to die, couldn't he just project into the astral plane? His body dies and he would get what he wanted. Okay. First hole with the finale. Yep. <laughs> oh, Luke has a big one at the end. I'm oh. I, Yeah. But I just want to point out, since we're talking about Margot now in the scene where she jumps in, I texted Kai last night when he was watching. And I was like, just just keep an eye out for how light and happy and joyful Margo looks this episode. And even in these scenes, when she knows she's about to sacrifice herself, she seems okay with it. Like, I know she has that line about Quentin, which we'll get to, which was amazing. But she was incredible this episode and just felt lighter than our normal weighed down Margo, who's just sassy as fuck. Right? Did you guys notice that? I know I told Kyle to look out for it, but did you guys notice that as well? Yeah, definitely. She she looked different this whole entire episode. Yep, she did. Uh, I also just want to defend what I just said like a minute ago. Like, I, I wasn't mad that Margot wanted to go through with this plan to sacrifice herself. What I more meant was just how was that information not put on the table in the planning phase that there was another way to get to Fillory? That's just what I meant. Well, there wasn't know. one. She's made it up. So wait, what was her? Margo, Margo was saying, okay, we're fucked, and I know we're fucked. We don't oh, have a traveler. I totally misunderstood. I totally and she's saying, I have a shortcut, and that's why when they get there, she's like, there's no shortcut. I'm sacrificing myself. Completely misunderstood yeah. that. Never yeah, mind. yeah, yeah. No worries. Sorry. Back to Margo, how she looked. It's Great. like when I didn't realize it was a simulation, and then you guys destroyed me that Katie and Alice weren't hanging out for a whole episode. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's true. didn't happen. Yeah, so Charlton is now in Hyman's body, and we have, I did like the shot of Hyman astrally projecting on the spiral staircase, just saying, this is the best episode ever. He's just so content to be back on the astral plane. (laughs) And yeah, so Margot says that she had, oh, I have the shortcut. I never told you I wanted it to be my private little shortcut, my secret. And they all go through the clock portal back to Fillory, and Charlton has this little moment with Elliot, just says, hey, come back safe for me, and on they go. Uh, so that will take us to Alice, Zelda, Fenn, and Katie, who are now in the Library of the Netherlands, and they are about to try and grow this world seed into the planet. Uh, Zelda has this little transportation container that will keep the seed safe for a little bit, but not forever. And this is where we have Fog 40 stumble in, still baffling, and he shows up and real quick just steals the seed. Kind of reminded me of how Fog 17 stole... What did he steal? Was it the time? Might have been the clock, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or how original Fog 40 took the Archie in the first place, just kind of like moved it and it was on his tongue. Yeah. He did it the same way. You know, he made a move. It was in his hands. I loved it. Consistent with the character. But Fog 40 shows up, steals the seed and runs away and Katie chases him. I would like to say that if they sat there and did did the spell... The world seed happened. They would have got blipped away to the world seed. And then our other characters would be like, well, did it work? What the fuck happened? Like the only reason, I mean, I guess Elliot and Katie still don't know where they went, but they watched them do it and watch them disappear. So they could hope that they're on new Fillory. Well, interesting to think that Katie, Alice, Fenn and Zelda would have been the ones to go. 
I'll tell you what, homegirl, if Fog didn't show up, then they would have gotten killed by the Beast because that's what happened in the original time loop. Well, also, I mean, I guess we'll kind of get to it in a little bit, but Plum says that they disappeared and no one saw them again in the original time loop. So doesn't that mean that it worked? Oh, maybe it does. Yeah, 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 yeah. So so then what was the point of resetting it just to save Julia's life? I guess so. I'm not going to lie. When Plum is going over what happened in the original loop, I was kind of lost. When she's like, Josh is the only one who made it back from Fillory. She's going off about it. And I'm like, I this is hard to follow, sis. Yeah. You, I guess Brad so did I. Through it. <laughs> no, it was a little confusing, honestly. And I yeah. think it was supposed to be confusing to us because Plum was also kind of panicked at the time. So she didn't do a perfect job of recalling it. Um, but yeah, that's all I gathered too. Josh survived and then the Netherlands team just went missing, which I guess Plum just assumed meant that it didn't work and they died. Yeah, we, but, we, when we get there, we can talk more about it. Yeah, okay, cool, cool, cool. cool. So yeah, we have a we have another real quick scene in the infirmary. Uh, Lipson is about to cut the cord between Julia and the baby. You know the psychic cord that we've seen before. And Fog Forty just appears again in the infirmary, stumbles through, and just comes right in and slashes the cord with a nice blunt cut, and keeps Damn. stumbling through takes a punch right on the jaw from our girl Katie, which not many people can do. He's got an iron jaw, that Hank of ours, and Julia passes out. Um, and that is the conclusion of that scene. You want to talk about fast-paced? Yeah, literally. Shit was just happening. Yeah. So how did Fog get to the Netherlands so quickly? He's a beast. Back? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess. He's a fucking savage. Literally within five minutes of screen time, he escapes from the infirmary, Goes to the Netherlands, steals the seed. Julia has her baby. He comes back and fucking cuts that shit in half. Yeah. Yeats yeah. Penny out of the way. Absolutely yeats him. Penny is yeah. a, Penny's a pushover dude. without his fucking um, abilities. Zelda does reference a portal from the Netherlands to Break Bills later in the ex- episode that Alice and Fenn escaped through. So the assumption is there's one from Break Bills to the Netherlands. Sure. I'm in. I right. love cool, this, cool. this next Rafe scene. It's so fucking funny. It's so good. To start everything off, we have Rafe hiding behind a tree and he's watching the Dark King, you know, Roop, uh, doing his gold spell to make more takers. And he's like, okay, you're my last bunny. You're my last messenger bunny. You got to get this message. And all this bunny says is, hurry! <laughs> Which is such a funny transition because it says hurry. And then Margo with her fucking crazy voice is like, we're goddamn trying. Thanks. Like so <laughs> sassy. Yeah, Margot, Elliot, and Josh are in White Spire's throne room, and they're they're going for this special census magical item, right? That mm-hmm. shows you the population of Fillory. And yeah, so the bunny shows up, so they start kicking into high gear. Josh's coming in clutch with finding this census. You know, you can see a live update of how many people live in each city in Fillory, whatever it is. So they're ready to start the, the rapturing. They click the button on the bottom of the seahorse. And they just see the numbers start dropping, meaning it's actually working. All the Philorians are being sucked up into the snow globe. Like they're just kind of waiting for it to finish. Elliot gets quote unquote raptured. But B times you pointed out it's a different poof. Yeah, it's like a gray black poof. Rafe's poof was a blue poof. Right. Also, I have to highlight a bloof, if you will. I have to highlight that once Josh came up with the census, Margo was like, I love it when a great lay turns out to have a good brain. And Elliot's (laughs) just like, yeah, that Josh is a keeper. Josh is just right there. I love it so much. Also, that census scroll is so cool. 
Yeah. Such a little small detail, but I just, yeah, I absolutely love it. I took so a picture. Cool. There is an alarming lack of salamanders in Fillory. There's only 20. Is there a reason for that? Because there's know. like, okay, there's 244 unicorns, but only 20 salamanders. Uh, 197 pegasi. There's incubi, dryads, dyads, dwarves, does pixies. It say, does it say how many squirrels are on there? Because Josh has a line that's like, now that all the squirrels are are raptured, it's it's going faster. <laughs> or something. Yeah, there's quite a bit of squirrels. There <laughs> are 158,320 squirrels. Not Wow. Uh, there are more bears, though. I'm seeing 183,323 bears. Humble Drum Holy is moly. their king. That's why Margot got elected. Yeah. Yeah, so it makes sense. They had the bears. Yeah. They're trying to bang people. Bears outnumber humans 183,000 to 110,000. Nice. You know, it's funny, too. I mean, I don't know what the, the number is, but doesn't Tick Tick throws out some insane number for how many talking animals there are in Fillory when Margo wins the election in the landslide. I think he says something like there's a million talking animals. Yeah, it's something crazy like that. Yeah, crazy. I wonder how many salamanders voted in the, in the election. <laughs> all fucking 20. Hope yeah, all- hopefully <laughs> all of them got out there to vote. <laughs> Every vote counts, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I okay. Wait, so I can I can take us in, but yeah, all right, okay. So next we open in the taker realm, and Elliot's waking up, and it's Seb just kind of walking him through and explaining what he's gonna do. And I like the line where El says, "I don't have it written," but I was like, "You know, I was gonna stop you. I was gonna try and stop you. Like you, you, you kind of want me to stop you, right? Is that what he was saying? Mm-hmm. He did. Yeah, he yeah. said you wouldn't have brought me here, but." Rupert had a nice line to counter that by saying, if that was true, then I wouldn't have cast the spell 20 minutes ago. Right. But he probably did that because he knew Elliot would have convinced him not to do it. So it's like back and forth. But yes, that is what Elliot was saying. So when me and Luke watched this live, I have a video which we can post on the Vinchtown Instagram of I knew the beast was about to come on. So I took a video of him and Luke's <laughs> reaction just goes, oh, my God, lit. <laughs> <laughs> can we talk about now all three chat wins in one oh, episode on. let's get here yeah. let's get here we're right here we are right fucking here so Jesus. yes the dk's rupert's whole thing is you know i know everyone's concerned about all of the dead coming through but that won't be able to happen as long as you elliot are able to seal the door quickly so oh everything's gonna work out great i bet so then we hear Lance's voice, I think, starts calling through the door and Lance comes through. He looks a little gray. You can tell that he's dead, but Lance comes through and they have this weird moment where like they refuse to hold each other's hands. And then Lance is revealed to be Martin Chatwin, the beast. The best wow. is he notices the hand first. The six, six fingers. fingers. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. And I don't know how this is going to translate, but my God, I fucking love the motif when it's like, yeah dude i have that written i was like the music god that that stuff is that's my first of all you nailed that (laughs) (laughs) no need to enter the music in because you fucking i love those like (laughs) subtle beats anytime martin's on the screen it's just he's fucking voldemort and he's back like it's so epic he is such a powerful dark magician that he can literally beat death like he is the one to conquer death and come back and set this whole long-standing plan in motion to trick his brother for fucking centuries whatever it was like i don't know he didn't get a lot of time in this episode and he took a couple bodies but i just fucking loved seeing him it was so great 
I, and I think the writers knew what they were doing. Like this was the end. There was a chance this was the end. Let's bring it back full circle. I know our guy again. I am so glad Rupert got burned the way that he did. He yeah. he deserved it. I agree. Yeah, it's it's a kind of a letdown. I I don't know how I feel about the Seb Rupert storyline because, like I said pre pod, he's just heartbroken. Like that's the reason he did all this. And Martin makes that savage comment, like, "Oh, he must have moved on centuries ago. I never met the guy." Like, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> not only being a savage, but like just belittling it so much. Like, oh, that fucking guy. I don't know. And uh-huh. then he flexes fucking magical prowess right away and just breaks all of Elliot's hands as he's trying to seal the door. Just yeah. fog That's style a signature from move. Pilot. Yeah. That's a signature Dude, it's genius. You can't he did do it to shit. Penny too. Slice his hand exactly. off, but still. And then also right away with his like six finger pinky freezes time, freezes <sighs> Rupert. So and him being able to freeze Rupert is such a big deal. Like that just shows you the difference in level of uh, like how powerful they are. I'm so glad we got the Cassandra name drop in this scene. I didn't need a wrap up of Cassandra. I was always wondering, like, huh, I wonder how that plays out. Just the fake Alice writing yeah, I, all the, the books by hand. Up. I love, yeah, of course. I wanted so much off of that storyline the first time it got introduced. Yeah. Like, why does she look like Alice? Like, this is so, how does she have the power to see the future of every human being? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I wanted more from it, but it was nice that they at least acknowledged her. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say it's more of a callback than a wrap up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I want everything from the underworld. Give me literally everything. I would like a spinoff if Haas. I like okay. the idea that like, <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> I could what? hold it in if pass. <laughs> that was good. I just like the idea of Martin hanging out in the underworld branch of the library because that's how he saw Cassandra. He said, I've been spending a lot of time in the underworld library. Yeah, that's actually ridiculous. That- yeah. I mean, I guess they don't really have a choice. I mean, we also don't really know the inner workings of the underworld, but the fact mm-hmm. that they would just let Martin just kind of roll around free like that seemed yeah. a little irresponsible. But anyway, they, they incorporated Cassandra by saying he was talking to her and realized how hard Rupert was attempting to bring back Lance. And he's like, okay, well, I'll just be Lance and he'll bring me back to life instead. So that's how this whole plot got set into motion. Um, and we find out that Martin made a couple deals with people from the underworld. So he's coming in hot with a, with a whole squad of dead peeps with them. And I like how he recognizes Elliot as the addict who went along with Quentin and Julia, because correct me if I'm wrong in the original time loop, doesn't he like kill himself because he's okay. Yeah. Is anybody original- understanding? Yeah, well, Quentin was so Elliot dies, and yes. uh, Jane tells him that in the original time loop, Elliot or Quentin's best friend dies, and it was, mm. and he goes, Julia, and he said, No, you, you died. But yeah, I mean, that's just a great, it's just showing how much Elliot has grown in the last five seasons. He's the hero, he's one of the heroes now. He's not just the addict who takes the, the magic carrots and fucks everything up in the Netherlands. Like, he's not that guy anymore. Of course. Elliot's not without his flaws, but I like that call out. And I like it for a different reason, being that Quentin's getting some more respect for being like the guy. He basically, yeah. Martin's like, that's the main character. What the fuck you still do? He says, what in the blazes are you still alive for? As he lines up to literally slice the shit out of him. And then that's when Rupert, who also flexes that he's a strong ass magician because he breaks through the yeah. time freeze, which no one could do in episode one. And uh, jumps at Elliot and apparates Thank away. God. Yeah, I do want to go back just one second 
and say that, especially as a book reader, I really appreciate this back and forth with Martin and Rupert Mm -hmm. about how Martin's basically like, you didn't help me with Plover because that is a huge thing, of course, in the show, too. And then I like when Seb says, listen, I I couldn't help you anymore because I had to help everyone else because you're a fucking monster. Yeah. Like, I had to save everyone from you. I couldn't save you. I had to save everyone from you. I just really appreciate it. The books, their, their arc is a little different. Um, Martin sells his soul. And I think Rube does, too. I can't remember. But I just really liked that they got that conversation. They, of course, they get that smaller one next. But... That was like the really the only conversation we've ever seen them have together. So I liked it. I also I like the line when uh, the beast says, what good are the living really? The world is better off with me. Mm-hmm. And that just like straight up just reminds me of why I, I picked to marry him in the BKM. Because, <laughs> dude, just me and him just two stepping around, just fucking shit <laughs> yeah. up with that mindset. Dude, it'd be the best. <laughs> you think he has like a spell that makes the, that beat play? Like it's just it is playing for like them too. Yeah. Probably, think, dude. He's right? a savage. I that, love that moth sound. It's yeah. you gotta call it the moth sound. So good. That would have been cool if he did like flash a moth or something. I would yeah. like to see that for a second. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I was literally so happy when they pan back and instead of Lance, it's just him smiling. I was like, right. let's fucking go. This is about to turn up. God, the six finger is just so cool. It's so genius. Well, Kathleen, you assured us last episode that the stakes were going to be raised. And I feel like this is the point where it went from zero to 100 right here. I was just like, whoa. Yep. Because honestly, if like the DK's plan went off without a hitch, then it would have just been him and Lance and whatever else could have made it through before Elliot sealed the door. And that's not really a threat to anyone. And that's the point, right? Like, you guys have been saying it pretty much every single episode, like, he is a good person. Like he's not really evil in any way. And Elliot, of course, recognizes that. And I don't know. I just think that it was so necessary to bring something like Martin back to justify any of what we've been seeing with Rupert. Yeah. Martin is the big bad that we really want mm-hmm. for the yeah. end of the series. You know what I mean? Like we've Rupert's a quote unquote bad guy. I like how Martin makes fun of him for using the dark King title while trying to act like he's a good guy, but this is what we really wanted. You know, this is the kind of villainy we're trying to fight against. Mm -hmm. Agreed. And that'll take us to Martin is now just left to his own devices with his squad of dead people. And that takes us back to the library in the Netherlands where we have Alice, Zelda and Fenn. And they're just now starting to get a little bit worried that Katie has been gone for a while. Maybe something went wrong with her. When in the background, they hear some familiar singing. Uh, It's the bee saying, "Uh, hunting Hunting we we will go. go. Hunting we will go. Yeah. (laughs) So ridiculous. Like, completely ruined that song for everybody. No, but but Alice's reaction is awesome. So, Because that's what she's like, no, I killed him myself. What the fuck? She literally died because of him. This is epic. I loved that she recognized it right away and was like, oh, shit. Well, even more than that, I like how Zelda immediately recognized, okay, if that's the beast, then that means the dead have risen. We got to get going on this and we can't do this here anymore. Immediately barricades them. First off, like, spoiler, she dies, but great great Amazing. fitting scene for her I, lo- I loved this death scene she kind of barricades them in here and her and alice get a farewell moment too which i appreciated because she has kind of been a pseudo mentor to alice when you look back like she's always just kind of 
they've always been involved with each other's storylines. Um, and I like that she was there for the farewell. Um, and also she was the only one that can impart that wisdom that she needed later, how one hand is enough. Like there's something all master magicians know. And I always knew you would get here all the stuff about the internal circumstances. And that's the only thing that a magician really can control. And she just says, you got to just try one hand is enough. Yeah. She dives on the grenade says, take the portal to break bills. Get out of here. She says that she's going to activate the initiate the permafrost, which is going to permanently freeze all of the portals in Netherlands so that the dead can't escape, basically. But I did want to say real quick, and this might be cuttable. Did you guys talk about this on podcast or did you talk about this just in the text? Because I wasn't on the episode when we spoke about Zelda versus Alice being better magicians. Do you remember? We talked on the pod. So, yeah. So, so I guess this kind of hints right at it is like Alice's potential is obviously sky high and it's going to be better, but Zelda is the master magician. So I think Zelda, Zelda activating permafrost by snapping her fucking fingers like a (laughs) absolute boss. She is the master magician. She is so dope right in Martin's face. And he's like, you son of a bitch. (laughs) Kathleen, your, your argument for Alice was the whole Niffin experience, right? Yeah. Well, is yep. it not part of the character that she forgot that experience? That's why she was like, I remember when Quentin first brought her back, she was jotting down all the things she could remember because she knew all of that knowledge was slipping away from her. I still think it makes her stronger. I mean, she's obviously not a Niffin anymore, but I still think she retained things that humans cannot. Like she had an experience that humans can't have. And didn't Okay. Have. So you think that closes the gap between her and Zelda if Alice had two hands? shortens it i yeah i voted alice it's tough um i i think zelda's been alive for so fucking long and you could say her time in the etheric realm helped her too like she's been through some shit the the fact of the matter is we don't know what zelda's been through but we've seen alice's so i i, I it would be a sick face-off and yeah, i would argue that these two like as much as zelda would have liked to be a mentor to alice and she always saw the potential in her. Alice was always like, fuck you, bitch, to Zelda. Like, she didn't want anything to do with Zelda ever, almost. I mean, they worked together slightly, but that ended up fucking them over. And then she put Alice in jail, in magician jail. It's like, you know, so I don't know where I'm going with this, but they're both the two of the strongest magicians we've seen, mm-hmm. for sure. few others, I would say, Fog's up there. I would say, obviously, Martin. Um who else? What do you guys think? Uh, Mayakovsky. Yeah, Mayakovsky, of course. I uh, think this episode just reminded me that the Beast is on a tier all his own. In terms yeah. of like human magicians, I think he messes up Mayakovsky, who yeah, is yeah, known as the best magician magician. Well, I mean, he He's not literally a human. drinks from yeah. the source of all yeah. magic, so... He doesn't have a shade. He's. I would say he's pretty much not a human, so he, no. he's, he's a hybrid now, but... But back to this permafrost spell, right? Like, so after... The squad's about to leave. They get the hug and, you know, Zelda kind of alleviates Alice's feelings by saying, like, death isn't the end for librarians. Do not blow past that line. I'm not. Really soak it in. All right. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) For a librarian, death is not the end. It's merely a transfer to another branch. I mean, that one hit me straight in the fucking feels. I have a question. Is that why Santa got her the pipe? So that she can sit around in those comfy armchairs. (laughs) And join Hades and Penny Forty's talk show. <laughs> Must be, man, because everything else had a use. Yeah, everything else had a use. So that's that's my headcanon. 
Yeah. <laughs> but this was a really regal death for our girl. Just a dip, a dance dip into dust. My God. Let me let me throw just two quick compliments again to Martin because you know I clearly love him. Like I love that when he when he steps up to actually kill Zelda, he does it in the most beast way possible, where he grabs her like he's about to do a dance and zombifies her WandaVision style. Spoiler. Her death face looks straight out of Hill House, doesn't it? It absolutely did. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. But I also wanted to say real quick the fact that when Zelda does the permafrost. Um, spell and it's like super quick and basically she doesn't even say anything you just see the motions but the beast sees her do it and he knows exactly what it is like, which, did you just yeah so to me that's even more respect on his name like geez dude this guy knows fucking everything yep. like if he was just good and had a shade and was this powerful he could have just been the main character and just won one there wouldn't be a show though yeah exactly <laughs> so well yeah so kyle i know this is your girl you, you want to say some words I guess I'll have two comments. The one was that her and uh, Alice hugged, and yeah, it was a nice moment. But the the note that I wrote down said that would be a really great threesome <laughs> because true. And secondly, yeah, rip, rip to the legend. You know, when we first meet her, you have no idea the journey you're going to go on with her. She seems like the worst character almost when you first, when her and Penny kind of facing off, and then you get the whole deal with penny has to kind of he can't violate the contract he now has to work with the library for all these millions of years you know she's so steadfast in the rules she almost basically gives up on her own mm -hmm. daughter it's like like she almost has no redeemable moments up until you know the last couple seasons and she turns it the fuck around man that inner that internal circumstances talk got both katie and alice on the right track she's just the best and you know how could you hate the fucking hands i know the hands how could you hate the I hands iconic it's iconic you guys I hope her and uh, her and Jan meet up in the underworld. There it is. <laughs> they can blaze up together. <laughs> so that will take us to Elliot and Rupert in White Spire. And they're kind of just talking about what happened. And Rupert is showing. He's kind of apologizing this whole scene. He's acknowledging that what he did was wrong. And now he's just on team. What can I do? Like anything I can do to help. And Elliot's just like, nah, dude, it's, it's kind of too late. Like you fumbled the bag. All of our plan that we were going to do was trying to kill you anyway. So it's like, there's not really much that can be done. And this is where Elliot is just like, do you not get that? I don't want you to die. Like you're not evil, man. You're just a deluded asshole. Yeah. I hate that. Elliot has to basically watch another person. He loves dies. I mean, not that he loves Seb, but I think he sees potential to love Seb. And it's just Elliot has been through so much. Poor fucking guy. I think um, Hale Appleman's acting in this whole episode is really great. Um, shout out to the boy. Sorry, he has to be so sad all the time. He does get his hands healed, though. Yeah. Here. Mm -hmm. Which is like a right. Yeah. Seb, nah. Seb heals him. Yep. Yeah. Seb heals him. He just not supposed to use his magic. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. I didn't pick up on that. Yep. Yeah. This was honestly. This was a nice moment that I was not expecting. I didn't think we would get this kind of interaction between the two of them. Just especially more because of obviously Rube's situation was not expected because the beast was not expected. But I mean, they really had us all over the fucking place with the Dark King. I, we just, they constantly kept us guessing almost. I mean, obviously besides b guessing his identity, but his motivations and kind of where he sits on the you know the moral spectrum i guess for lack of a better phrase was just it was almost every episode and then multiple times within an episode it was going back and forth mm -hmm. i'm glad that once lance was officially removed from the equation it was he was 
completely on team good guy. You know, that was that was good confirmation for us being like, where where is his head at? You know, behind it all, he was good down to the bone. But yeah, that was a good scene between Rupert and Elliot. Um, and that is going to take us to the next scene, which is kind of outside of the break bills infirmary. This is where everything starts to get insane. Lipson tells Penny that his daughter, you know, confirmed they have a little baby girl is fine, but Julia's still in a coma and her organs are starting to shut down. And Penny's just like, well, well, can I see her? And Lipson says, yeah, give me a sec. Enter Plum, who just shatters Penny, Penny's world. Penny is just desperate at this point saying, take us back. I know I told you not to, but I'll protect you somehow, whatever we got to do, just time travel so you can go back and save Julia. And Plum's like, well, I can't do it again because this is the do-over. Like, this is round two, homeboy. And we get the, you know, his head just explodes. And so did mine, honestly. This was Mm -hmm. really hard to keep track of. But also, awesome flashbacks. Whenever we see our girl Jane Chatwin, it's unbelievable. But we have kind of Plum filling Penny in on what happened in round one of this. And... Essentially, everything went pear-shaped. Nobody returned from Fillory except for Josh. And so Penny and Plum went to seek out Jane Chatwin, who told them the only way to kind of change time is a time loop. Uh, That's the only way to do it without getting Elephus's knickers in a knot. (laughs) But she says, Plum, you only have enough blood plasma to do the time loop once. So you get one shot at changing everything. Um, And this is kind of where we have the payoff of Plum earlier coming into the planning session. You know, she tried to stop them from repeating the same mistakes from the first time, but they didn't listen. And Jane told her that she can't have a heavy hand. You know, you can't try and change too much or it'll wind up doing more harm than good. So then we go back to the flashback and they they tell Jane the plan, essentially that, hey, we're going to blow up Fillory to save it from the Dark King. Um, And at this point in time, Jane is actually pregnant with Plum's mom. Yes. Yep. Another thing that Jane says. So yeah, she is pregnant with Plum's mom. And that's also confirmation. We had this conversation earlier in the podcast saying like, who is she had, it was obvious that she was a descendant of Jane Chatwin, but just getting a little bit more explicit confirmation there. And then Jane ends up telling them that, you know, even if you end up destroying filler, it's fine. Like I'm going to exist in the clock barons. I'll still survive. Might be impossible to find me, but you know, I'll still be alive. My heart beats for Jane Chatwin. Yeah, First of boy, all, does it. This is the reveal kind of that we got all three Chatwins in one episode, adult Chatwins, which is just, inc- I had no expectations of that, but she's one of the first two characters we see in this show. I loved her in season one. She's one of the best reveals that Eliza is Jane. She's been puppeteering this entire show for us to see her and, and the emotion behind, I won't be gone. I'll still be here in the clock barons. There's a few lines that really hit me in this, and this is one of them. I think I, we needed Jane, and I didn't know leading up to it that I needed Jane in this episode, and I'm so glad we got it. And you said that she was one of the first two characters we see, we saw, second being Fog. Fog, who in this exact moment, Penny 23, has the realization that, holy shit, he fucking remembers time loops. And that's such just, a good realization. Oh my yeah. God, man. That just relieved so much anxiety because you know that Fog 40 was doing the good good work right there, right? Just yeah. so relieving. That was great. Yes. This was all great. And you're right. It was good that we had confirmation that Fog was up to good work, just like you said. So that was exciting. Fog is that boy. Yeah. He really is. And oh my God. In that boy. These are his acting scenes coming up, too, right? Oh my right? God. Yeah. Don't tell PETA. 
<laughs> as soon as Penny has this realization, they go and see Fog right away. And he's just essentially in this sedated, just crazy form. And Lipson, who is now that I'm thinking about it, she is such a utility player for Big the magicians. Time. Like Lipson has been so clutch. But uh, anyway, she's basically saying, yeah, I'm out. Like, I'm done. I'm done with all this. And then they start talking about the cat. Good. First off, shout out my favorite episode of podcast, because Luke, uh, your co-host, Julia, says that she would want to be a healer specialist. Yes. And yeah. you guys were just like, wow, could have helped us a bunch of times in the show. Lipson is the healer. Yeah, yeah. She is. We got a healer, man. She is a utility. She is the healer. She kills it. It's also <laughs> funny how our squad basically has like a reserved bed. I feel like every time someone's had an issue, they're in that bed by like the window yeah. or like yeah. you know, the glass door. It's just really funny. Yeah. I just think of Penny with the, with the, the knife that caused the plants to start growing I know. out of them. Like, That's sick. Man. So sick. I mean, it's like Penny gets cancer too. He's in that same bed. I know. <laughs> and when him and Penny get in, or him and Quentin get in the fight. It's in the, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 All right. So anyway, Fog is like the idea of waking Fog up out of this daze and making him normal for a little bit is this magical cat who, when he's touching it, it'll absorb all the crazy. But the second he lets go of it, he's going to go back to normal. And this is very similar to what was it called? Was the um the teddy, the teddy bear. bear? Yeah, yeah. The teddy bear. And the luck. Very similar kind Good of point. object, yeah. magical object, which I like. But yeah, this is the acting scene Kathleen alluded to earlier when as soon as that cat is put into his lap, Fog just wakes up and he's our boy again. Like he is the fog. That cat is having a shit day. Yeah. (laughs) So goddamn good, man. It was so just relieving to have Fog 40 just kind of laying it out like this, 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 this. You know, he basically says the seed is in the lab and explains how Julia is now what? Okay. Well, no, I'm sorry. Explains that what they need to do to help Julia because the first time it didn't work out. Because Lipson had no idea what the fuck she was doing, basically. And Fog just explains that they just need to find someone to attach the other end of the cord onto. So, yeah, had, had Lipson done the surgery delicately, it would have been rendered useless. The cord, uh, a quick blunt cut will put the cord in a state of shock, allowing a chance for implantation, which is where he says the only problem is we need someone who can handle all this psychic energy coming from this clearly powerful baby. And everybody just looks at Penny, you know that falls right into place. So another really good conclusion to this whole chord scenario. I kind of thought the storyline itself was out of place, but everything made sense around it. I'm sure it wouldn't have been that if Julia didn't get pregnant in real life, if Stella wasn't pregnant. I thought it wrapped up really well. Penny losing his powers and then getting it back only when he's holding his little baby girl. Definitely a big regret is not seeing Martin and Penny. Like, I mean, Martin and Julia interact, but Oh my God, she'd have been like this motherfucker. Yeah, dude. She's so sick of God. <laughs> she'd have been smoking a cig pregnant. She can't deal with him. <laughs> so we get Alice, Fenn, and Katie uh, in the Break Bill's lab with the seed. You know, Fog told them the seed's in the lab. Uh, but they're running out of time and they need to grow it now because obviously that was not a permanent solution, this little transportation container. And they all agree that it's best to attempt casting in here, despite the poor circumstances, given the moon and everything. And they're worried that it might not turn out exactly like Fillory, I think was the concern here. And they're just like, honestly, we're running out of time. It's now or never. We got to at least give it the old college try and give it an attempt. Okay, so now we're at Josh, Margot, and Elliot, and they're going to the clockwork car where we've seen them slide down multiple times this season, I think. Margot basically tells them, listen, there's no shortcut. And 
at this point, obviously, we've seen the episode. We know Margot lives. But how upsetting would it have been if that was her goodbye with Josh and Elliot? She does not want to say goodbye. She just bounces. And they're like, oh. I was genuinely concerned that Margot wasn't going to make it through. The only reason that I wasn't too worried was because they didn't make it. Margot would have deserved the same magnitude of a send-off as Q got. Yeah. They did not set it up like that. It would have been way too quick, unsatisfactory, and she would have just like died. And I would have been like, you know what? what? That would have been exactly like Cersei Lannister's death, right? Like deserved a huge, crazy thing to happen and literally dies in the same way with the castle collapsing on top of her. Let's please not because Margot would have been going out like a motherfucking hero. She would have saved everyone and created a world in the. I just meant, yeah, no. So she says, you know, somebody had to egg up and do this. I love that. She she had an ovary up line drop earlier in the episode, which I fucking love. She said, and I am Margo the Destroyer. So she's sacrificing herself. Um, she says, if I learned one thing from Quentin, one, it's that sometimes you sacrifice for the ones you love. So Josh <laughs> brought a bribe sandwich, of course, for uh, the, the guy down there. If he if he didn't get raptured, which is Colatello, Capicola, Speck, <laughs> like all the shaved truffle. Whoa, the you can't forget the Hamoni Berico. That's the that's the money ingredient right there. <laughs> yeah. And the black truffle. The best damn ham sandwich ever made. <laughs> so I do just have to say, I do yeah. not have my heart melted very often. When she brought up Quentin and was clearly remembering him fondly, she like just had a little smile and that made her so at peace with it as if to say, if, yeah. if that, if that dude cold water could do it, I got this guys. Like she was just so at peace. Like you were saying earlier, that's the perfect way to say it at peace. That's the word I've been, I've been saying like light, whatever, but I, at peace is the perfect way of saying it. That's what I've been trying to strive for, Brian. So I would keep you around. She was crying too. It was nice to see her drop a couple tears. And then just classic Margot pops that eyeball right the fuck out and puts on an eye patch. If she would have died with that eye patch on, I mean, again, so so I think maybe I'm looking too far into it. But Josh referenced that Santa gave him the microplane that he used for the black truffle. And when he brought up Santa, Margot like looked up at the sky like, oh, my gosh, that's what he gave me the box for to Mm -hmm. use to put my eye in for this situation. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah, I thought that's what clicked in her head. Like, that's what the necklace was for. Head cannon. Yep. Yeah, so she bounces without saying goodbye and slides down, which we know it takes 10 minutes. So cut to Julia's alive. Again, This the Julia stuff was so motherfucking fast-paced. And then baby Eleanor <laughs> lips in <laughs> wants the, the baby to be named Eleanor because people name their babies after their doctors all the time. It's a uh, thing that happens. But this is good magician's music in the background i think it was brian who called that the baby was going to be named quentin of course it's a girl so when penny penny is holding the baby he says hope and he's reading julia's mind and then yes i could deal with quentin as the middle name what a great tribute to our boy and we find out that penny has with the tether to the baby since the implant he has his powers when he's holding the baby and you gotta think because it's julia and it's 2020, I guess it's 2020 at the time this came out, that it's Hope Quentin Wicker, right? Yeah. It wouldn't be Adiodi. Could be. I, well, she's not married to him, so yeah, there's so no Hope, way Hope she's giving Quentin it. Quentin Wicker. That's that's a crazy name. HQ Wicker. I love that. HQ is so cute later. Yeah. So the, uh, That's the second time we've had a baby in one of our favorite shows be named Hope. Mm. 
Yeah. Shout out, uh, shout out uh, okay. Okay, Kyle. I'm gonna I'm gonna ch- test your knowledge. There's a third show that has a baby named Hope. That show is Avatar: The Last Airbender. What is the baby? Bro, it's the Earth Kingdom refugees on their way to Bossing Say. The giant sea serpent attacks them, and she's pregnant the whole time. And then she has the baby when they make it through. And he's like, Hope, that's the perfect name for our baby. So corny. It was corny here. I actually don't like the name Hope. It was good in the hundred, actually. I was just going to say that I don't like the name, but yes. Quiz for you, B Toms. Who who coined the name Hope in the hundred? Was it Octavia? Nope. Mm. Kyle, do you know? Kane. Yep. <laughs> I actually didn't know that. Yeah, season five. Kane. Fuck me up. Yeah, yeah I appreciate that. I redemption alley for it there. Mm-hmm. So I actually really want to give a shout out to the shots of Fillory from space. I love, like, this is just a zoom in of, of it still intact. And I think it was perfect because, of course, we get it zoomed out when it's getting destroyed. But yeah, so Margot slides down into the clockwork heart. And I like this payoff from before of saying, do not, you can't, it'll explode. And I love, of course, the sign that says management, don't turn backwards or filler will be destroyed. Management, funny. Now we're flashing to Josh and Elliot racing to the tree and and Marco's watching them. And we have this sweet moment where Josh says, hey, Marco, in case you can read lips, I just want to say you're the love of my life. I know, duh. (laughs) (laughs) Classic. Um, Everyone's raptured. The male seahorse is very much pregnant and then they they hop in and and I like this moment between Elliot and Josh too. Like, are we really fucking doing this? All right, let's go. As they check the the magical census item one last yep. time to make sure it's all zeros across the board. Mm-hmm. They're ready to leave her behind. I just like the here we go, Bambi. Mm. Yeah. Oh my God. And then uh, we love a lever pull, don't we? We love a lever pull. And this song is so good. Yeah, I wrote that down. I was like, this is when the angelic voiceover music yeah. happens. It's just so good. One last goodbye by clergy, in case y'all were wondering. Yeah. Honestly, the music got me a little nervous. Yes. Because I'm just thinking of the way this show uses music sometimes. I, know. So I was like, um, okay. I would so, like for you guys to imagine me watching this live, though. Like, just please take a minute to imagine me in my manic state thinking Margo is about to die. Yeah. I, there is no, like, I wouldn't let anybody see me in that state, basically. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, God bless any roommate or anyone that was in the room. <laughs> Did we say that she was posting up eating the ham sandwich? Yeah, so good. Or- eating it to that devastating song, eating that sandwich, but like still happy. Like she's she's proud of herself. She's fine with it. She's at peace. I don't know how the physics of Fillory work because obviously it doesn't matter. But like before Penny <laughs> even gets there, like lava is already pretty much like destroying everything. And mm-hmm. she's just sitting in this like safe space. She's in the center of Fillory. So she's probably the okay. if it's crumbling from the inside out, then yeah, you're right. But if it's crumbling from the outside in, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then she's cool. But this scene, like this whole montage is exactly where I think like a lot of the money gets spent, you know, like, yep. It had to be ridiculously expensive to go through this whole, you know, reshowing of the world, all the lava popping up and then the death star blowing up moment. Yeah. Like at the very end of it. But yeah. Even the rubble falling on her. It was fucking yeah. beautiful. It looked great. And I could tell that it was expensive as fuck to shoot. And you gotta you gotta love it. So we didn't mention that there's a scene where Elliot and Josh are kind of waiting for her to come through the clock. And you you hear a blip and they turn around, but you don't see it. Because earlier Julia's like, what other 
things can you do with the ba- while holding the baby? And honestly, I was in such a panic state watching this the first time. I didn't even think that Penny was going to save her. Did you guys think? What? Yes. Yeah. Oh, see, yes. I'm, I mean, once and in fact, you know, not when Julia and Elliot or not when Julia and Penny were talking, what can you do? It was more like when he blips into Josh and Elliot, you're like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Well, no, I, I came oh, to the conclusion in the damn, infirmary. See, I, I was didn't. like, okay, Margo's good now. Yeah. 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 I'm almost mad at them for including that line where they just spoon fed us that he could now teleport to because had they not questioned that, it, you know, it, it would have raised the stakes that much more. I would have been that much more confident that Margot actually was going to die. And then I would have been that much more happy when she was saved. But, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. But then we get jo- uh, a classic Josh line. Penny blips in and says, come with me if you want to live, which is Josh's first line he ever says in the whole show, which is awesome. Because he I says it, it in the Netherlands. He's like, I think this was important to Josh. Yeah, he's like, Josh really wanted me to say that. But let me just say, pussy ass Hyman wouldn't go because of debris. Ben- Penny brought his newborn child to the fillery ending and yeah. saved the day. So Penny is not useless. I take it back. Thank you. Penny's Penny. a real one. Yeah. One more scene. Well, honestly, the only reason Penny's useful is because of <clears throat> Julia. Right? <laughs> yeah. it, uh, ooh, but God. one scene we missed right here in Lost in Translation, but the it's the final scene of the Chatwins in their alive form, I guess you could say. And it's classic that it's in the throne room of White Spire. Love it. We have Martin, who this is a plot hole and a gripe I kind of had as well as how did he get from the Netherlands to Fillory when I thought the permafrost would have stopped him from being able to do that. But who knows? He says, he says the line, I'll find another way at least. Yeah, he does say that. And he's, you know, the beast. So it doesn't surprise me. That's kind of his home. And then, yeah, so he appears in there and he, he has a, a last quick conversation with Rupert and saying like, what did you do? Um, you know, I, does he ha- even have any important lines he here? He's a like, that was a little funny British line. He's like, He's like this isn't. Cool. What does he say? Do you have it written down, Bry? So Rupert just said, he asked, what is this? Rupert says, this is the end of Fillory. And I think he responds with, well, that isn't very sporting, is it? Yes. <laughs> yes. So this was the chat one poof. It was a gray cloud poof of Rupert going away before the castle is demolished and Martin is crushed by a falling pillar yeah so you want to is... talk about a cersei lannister death yeah, yeah that's true mm-hmm. sorry i just kind of stole those words out of your mouth but <laughs> that was just like that was probably one of the more upsetting aspects of well if he wasn't the in the castle he would have died anyway like the yeah. world blew up yeah it was just kind of like it just felt like i wanted could... more bravado from the passing from the so, official passing of all passings of martin chatwin kyle but... i feel like this would have been more satisfying if he just kind of like sat down on the throne of fillory oh, and watched yes. everything collapse around him and we didn't even see the actual some him getting crushed but like the assumption was he's not making it out of there brian i just got chills when you fucking said that dude <laughs> head cannon baby crossed his leg and just it's all cannon up here oh that would have been amazing oh my god i'm picturing that and my eyes are watering that sounds amazing especially because that is exactly what how quentin looked yes whatever the alternate timeline when he becomes the beast and like the throne room's all trash and he's just sitting on the throne yeah that's the hottest quentin ever was yeah that that top five episodes of the series for me i love uh, the 23 timelines that's captain hops too we get a captain hops name drop in that episode (laughs) i believe it's that episode it is you're right but yeah that's it this is like the whole transition then we see the actual entity of fillery just destroyed oh It's a great metaphor for the end of the show. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
to watch it burn, to watch it all burn. Yeah, I mean, the magical land that's the source of all magic and kind of almost this playground that we've been playing in. Not okay. even a playground, though, because it's a dangerous fucking playground. Now, this is Luke's epic plot hole. Let's let's bring it up now since we're here and we're about to do the world seed spell. Yeah, okay. So now we're back in the, the lab, the classroom at Breakbills, the iconic one. And this is the entire squad, right? We have eight of us. Uh, no, no, we only have... Elliot, Katie, Margo, Josh, and Fenn, and Alice comes in. Like No Julian Patty, right? So Correct. Eight minus those two. So there's the six of these guys. What's happening is like they're lined up to do this spell where they're going to actually activate the world seed and they're going to create the new fillery. And in the beginning, before Alice gets there, who's lined up on the tri on the, the Triforce looking spell drawing is Fen, Margo, and Josh. Josh, bro, however, man. They have some, there's some great quotes here that explains Amazing. who is doing what and why. Uh, fans freaking out. She's like, "Oh, this is gonna be awesome! Like, I get to touch magic basically Just for happy the to first be time." Yeah, exactly. Josh, who is an OG, he was the fresh prince. Like, he deserves to be in there. He has a lot of filler ingrained in him. But what we and then Margo, of course, is is the Margo the Destroyer. She's classic. She she needs to be in there. So Elliot should be the third one in there, but his fingers are are still healing, and that that's when we get the line. If he tries to use any magic. It could cause permanent damage. And then Katie, of course, says the great line, too, that she can't do it. She hasn't spent any time in fillery. And we can reflect on that in a second. Yeah, go ahead. But do it. My question is, why is there any ability for them to cast spells in between the moment when new fillery and the new wellspring is there and then the destruction of old fillery and the wellspring? Because that you seems like a huge <laughs> plot hole. Because Josh says in this scene, like when Fen starts thinking about her memories and stuff, he's like, just make sure you include the wellspring. Like we need it. There's even a line later where Fog's like, there must be a wellspring somewhere. Yeah, they reference it twice. And there's just like a good, I don't know how much time is in between the destruction of Fillory and new Fillory, but that seems like a pretty damn big plot hole to me. And that's the fact that they, damn. they use magic to create a wellspring is itself contradictory. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I just thought that like technically Fillory is like 300 years, but it still doesn't matter because it's not like what happens in Fillory is happening in the future compared to what's happening on earth. Right. Like I was trying to justify in my head exactly how you're thinking about it. Like it yeah. the wellspring isn't completely destroyed yet at this exact second. It's on its way out, but I don't know. There's nothing really you can say about it. That's a pretty big one. Yeah. I mean, she turns time back, but it seems like more, it has more just like just pure destruction than any, like actually turning time back for things, you know, like trees regrowing, you know, the wellspring getting unfouled, things like that. The wellspring being in its original state, something like that. Yeah, I mean, I don't really want to talk about it because it makes me a little upset. So if we're good, I'm trying to find. We can go back to that Katie line because I like the Katie line, right? Yeah. So the Katie line is, well, first of all, Fen's like, I've never done, I've never cast before. Margo's like, you're not casting now. So that's that. And then she keeps saying like she's tingly. So Margo says, too late to swap her out for Katie. <laughs> and then Katie says, well, I haven't spent any time in Fillory unless you want it looking like the Lower East Side. Which I love because Katie really had never been in filler. I think the only time I remember. Wait, wait, wait. Quizum. When oh, when okay. do, you, do you remember Katie being in fillery? There might I, be more than the one I'm thinking of, but I can only think of one time. I honestly don't. Did she help? No, she didn't help Penny when they were all trying to kill each other, did she? Mm-mm. No. With the curse thrones, no. Yeah. And she's not a part of the key quest. Right. To get a black spire. It's in season two. If that helps. 
I have no clue. So I'm it's, embarrassed to say it's when no, don't because this just popped in I my head randomly. Um, it's when Julia loses her shade and blows and blows up the trees, lights the trees on fire, and then Penny and Katie go and and get her from being in jail in Fillory. Like it's really they blip in, they blip out. But Katie, she doesn't, and it's just interesting. And and I'm glad they included it because there's as big of a character as Katie is. How has she never spent time in Fillory? It's so weird to think about through five seasons. Like it just hits you when she says that line. But I like that they put it in there and yeah. pointed out specifically that she is incapable of helping with this Fillory spell. Yep. Yeah. So, and that leaves us with our three people of Fen, Margot, and Josh. And that's when we have Alice walk in to join the rest of the class. And she says that this is also kind of like a cheesy little bit. She's just like, I'm going to accept myself exactly how I am right now. Like every single good and shitty part of me, I'm just going to accept it. We have to acknowledge all of our bad parts in order to account for it in our casting. Internal circumstances are the only thing that we can fully control. I suggest we all try it. It's like, okay. Instagram just, that nonsense later, girl. Yeah, I, I, I was I, just I, waiting to see the Margo shot. Like as soon as she says <laughs> that bullshit, I'm like, whoop. <laughs> just like looking right at Margo. <laughs> I also like how I like how Margo aims it at Josh. Like how she kind of looks at Josh afterwards and is like, yeah. like, did I get her? Like, was it a good one? You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love that. I and mean. also when she um when she says, you know, is it too late to swap her out for Katie? I'm pretty sure Josh kind of says yeah. in the background, like, that would be mean. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's just like Those Josh is yeah, yeah. yeah, like Josh's handling of Margot's Margoness is really funny. He sticks up her fan a little oh, bit. Yeah, so that would be mean. That's so good. Yeah. <laughs> He's the fucking goat. <laughs> I know. I but I I agree with you, Brian, that it's cheesy. But I actually did really like Alice whispering to herself, "One hand is plenty." Like a little pep talk. Uh-huh. Let's fucking go! I'm a master magician. Let's fucking go! <laughs> I mean, the the thing that I I loved about it was that she took zelda's final words to heart the way that she did like all of that is coming from what zelda told her before she was about to die so i i appreciate the respect between the two of them mm-hmm. um is it too late to pee no it's fine it's fine it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> so alice josh and margo begin casting and i think alice tells fen to just start talking to the seed um, and she starts recalling Fillorian landmarks and just kind of saying, well, Fillory had the broken bay and this, that, and the other thing, but nothing happens. And Alice says, well, you can't just describe it. You have to actually share your memories. And this is where, you know, Fen kind of just has this realization that while she saw Pegasus for the first time and that could only happen in Fillory, you know, she also saw her dad make blades with uh, with magic and she couldn't learn because she was a girl and that her dad gave her away to a complete stranger. And while it wound up working out, like Fillory was a pretty backwards place in a lot of respects. And she just says, well, can I just have all the good things from Fillory without the bad? And then the seed starts kind of like hatching and taking form. This is exactly like the Quentin scene where he's talking to the flower about his love for Fillory and it's like weird in the beginning, but then it turns out like, you know, it unlocked like his true. Oh my love God. For I have Fillory. the chill thing about that scene. Yeah. I, love yeah, I was going to say, this what is like a, like a dollar store version of that scene. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it really is. But you know, what's she going to do? At least Fen got her moment. Plus the best yeah. of those cool movies. Todd and I watched dude literally freaked out when I heard that. And I, at this point I'm thinking like, Holy shit. Like they could totally end up together. Like, that would be awesome. That would be so fucking cool. And then, you know, it's whatever. 
Yeah, this was great, though. I'm glad that they're like, that place could be backwards as shit. We're not recreating that. Let's make it better. Let's get the best of it. I love it. I love it. And we get a big flash, a gust of wind. And then, you know, when we look up, it's Katie and Elliot are just left in the lab by themselves. Uh, The other four have seemingly disappeared. And this is where we kind of just get our wrap up of the series. It's it's the Fog 40 voiceover just kind of describing where are we at like however many days weeks months later um and he's back in the dean's office with his little cat i love that they characterized him as like the professor x just old guy with his crazy cat like on his lap like i love that that is now dean fogg's moniker Mm -hmm. and you know fogg is understandably upset that he's a person that has to lug around this crazy cat and lips reminds him that you know at least you're not insane it's just the cat and hey magic is still here we had no clue if that was going to work out but clearly the wellspring issue was resolved one way or another um and fogg mentions that the moon circumstances have never been worse but Lipson says that they should take the hedge hedge witch's cue and start keeping a lunatic on retainer <laughs> with moon brain this is where we get our Farewell to Katie, I guess you could say. And this is a pretty quick one. It's just her and Pete in the New York apartment. Clearly, she is still the head hedge witch uh, running the show there. And they have this lunatic just telling them, is today a good day or not to cast? Is it the Um, same lunatic or no? No, it's not Reba. Okay. (laughs) It's just cool to me that Katie's end game is her basically replacing Marina as the head 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 witch. With way better intentions. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Jesus, but yeah, um, I, I that's fine. She deserves that head head bitch head witch spot, but I I wish I gave her a little bit more at this, and I think she deserved a little bit more. But it would have been okay. nice to see Marina in this scene in some capacity. I'm glad we saw Pete. Oh yeah, love lady, man. Love lady gets another shout out at the end too with fucking Charlton. Yeah, he does. <laughs> So, but the ne- the next uh, question that we have is Fogg saying, how is the newest member of the Break Bills faculty doing? And we find out with a cut to Elliot in the physical cottage, you know, he's suited up, he looks spiffy. Um, and we find, you know, his hands are fine, uh, but he's just kind of dealing with losing pretty much all of his best friends in the world. He He says, you know, I just feel alone. I thought that teaching would help, but it just hasn't. Charlton's just there comforting him. Well, first of all, I want to die. We can maybe wait until the end to dive in, but he, he feels lost without them. And then he has this sweet little line, like, is there any way Seb survived, do you think? And then it cuts to the clock barons with Jane and Seb sipping some tea. I will admit that I had never seen Seb poof out from the throne room. Like even this time, I didn't notice it. So I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said it because I was always like, oh, Jane must have saved him at the last second because all we saw was Martin get crushed. But I'm glad that you said that Seb poofed out because that's awesome. I love that he survived with Jane because he's not a bad guy. He's not. the. He's he's really not. I mean, he did like kill a lot of children and a lot of people. over the years, And they're but... like stuck floating in the clock barren. It's yeah. not like he gets a happy ending. So, exactly. you know, he's still there, but. Uh, also in this scene, I, th- I don't know if you said this, but we found out it- that Elliot's hands are now officially healed. Like he's back mm-hmm. to magic. He's not like Alice in her state. He's got such a sad air about him. Oh, of course. I Wouldn't know. You? I mean, he- he's alone. He's- yeah. I um, know. I'm saying that I'm sad. For- the only thing that gets me to sleep at night is knowing that if there was a season six, and even though there isn't one, that they definitely get reunited. Like there's yeah. no way they don't find... <sighs> 
our new Fillory gang. There's just no way. So that's fine. I think it's funny that I would say two of the three least likely members of the squad to become faculty members become faculty members. I would say Penny, Elliot, and Margot are the three least likely people to be involved as a break bills employee of anyone. And two of the three of them end up doing that, which is just just kind of odd to me, yeah. I think. I, I just, I mean, I don't know. It just seems, I mean, obviously Elliot doesn't, you know, break bills is pretty much all he has at this point, but it does seem a little weird that, teaching would be what he would end up doing he's so very confused himself in this entire scene like he's sad and confused especially when charlton starts talking <laughs> to him. what do we think about hymington hymington like to like call him when they're mixed. i don't know i, I was because the other way doesn't sound right hymington is char char charlman charlman not enough hymen for my Charlman Charlton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's not, enough, there's not enough of the hymen soul in that yeah. name. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but so when does the bracelet when is the bracelet coming? Okay, yeah, right here, it, so. yeah, he's not hymenton for long. He's like, Oh, I also found out from Pete, who just deals in magical objects, which he kind of is the specialist. That one episode, what was the, the black market? Stuff? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, so we found out from Pete that the bracelet Santa gave Elliot at the beginning of the episode was actually used to kind of get him back in his original body. Uh, so it feels the same inside and out. So Charlton is, is for all intents and purposes, the real Charlton again. Um, and this is where we get this this really cute scene where he's just like, oh, you know, I played this question out in my head so many times. And of course, the answer is always no. But like, I wonder whether you could ever be romantically inclined to be with someone like me. And Elliot's just like, what, like a thousand year old Valorian weirdo. And he's like, uh, actually, a man who knows you well is emotionally available and plans to stick around. And Elliot's like. I'm just getting cue flashbacks. This is redemption for Elliot to try and make things right because Charlton right now is coming from the exact same spot that Q was when he was just like, why don't we just like give it a go? See how it turns out. Charlton obviously is not Elliot's type, but like, he's like, well, fuck Charlton. Yeah, let's do this. Um, and then they go upstairs and bang, which is which is fun. Elliot walks away, and then we get one last Charlton fuck, which you gotta mention because yeah. he didn't know how to use the word fuck. And then... So good, man! Just like that feeling that he must be feeling in his heart—that like just combination of like, oh my god, nerve wracking as hell, probably, but like that also that sense of relief is just that that fuck was so perfect yeah and then we cannot leave this scene without of course talking about probably the final laugh of the series but hyman who is in his astral form watching this whole conversation go down of course because that's his thing when he sees them go upstairs he like turns for a second so satisfied because he's always been a string puller especially when it comes to relationships like with julia and penny and then of course he's the only reason that this is possible but he turns he's satisfied and he just fucking breaks it goes upstairs to watch just amazing we know how hyman loves two white male protagonists mm -hmm. especially if they're gonna be together it's also interesting that he he runs up the stairs because you know the timeline or rather the time that he comes from is obviously not very interested in a yeah right male, -on -male relationship so he just said fuck and i'm running right up the stairs i got to see what happens hyman's ahead of his time man in terms of uh sexual experimentation i would say Plus that's his, true it's kind of his body right it's basically him yeah, watching right? himself get fucked. that's why <laughs> yeah. well it would be charlton's body at this point because of the bracelet so right i i took the bracelet as only elliot is seeing him like that i imagined it as like the key the truth key 
because I don't think anyone else sees him as Charlton. Was was Elliot know. wearing the bracelet? Elliot was wearing the bracelet, yeah. Oh, then definitely that's what Oh, wait. It. No. Now it's no, no. No. Really? Charlton I, was wearing the bracelet, right? I think it's more like illusionary magic. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. what I thought, Either too. way, it's illusionary magic. Okay, okay, okay. Like, okay. on him. Like it's, it's Man, I thought he put it on Elliot's wrist. That's so okay. interesting to think about, though, of, like, could you accept that, that, like, only you see this person this one way? Like the way that you, I guess, quote unquote, want to see them, then everyone else sees a completely different version of them. I mean, it would be worth it because it only matters what you see and think. Yeah. But it is interesting to think that, you know, if they things work out for them, Elliot's walking around with, in his mind, Charlton, but everyone else sees it as him and Hyman. Hmm. Yeah, this was really, I didn't see this coming at all. And I don't know that I 100% buy into them romantically together but I choose to accept it anyway and love it because Charlton does know everything about Elliot, his flaws, everything, Plus, and still wanted to be with him. And I fucking love that about our boy was, Charlton. If this was going to be the last episode and the writers knew that was always going to be a possibility, like, and the, and Elliot didn't have something like this, like it would have just been a completely unhappy ending for him. Yeah. So I think they needed to give him something. I love Hale's acting here. He's so confused by the whole thing. He's so curious, but like, yeah. hmm, am I really about to do this? It's like he's a, he's a second away from a laugh almost, but <laughs> curious. It's it's good stuff. I like this. Yeah, the contrast between the two of them throughout the scene is is just really well done and really noticeable. I mean, Elliot's kind of someone that has no he's not looking out into the horizon about life and the future. He's just like, yeah, this sucks ass. <laughs> I'm basically depressed. And Charlton, on the other hand, is sitting in this chair nervous as hell thinking about the future being like wow we can have this great future together so it's just their conversation sitting down i thought it was really obvious of like elliot has you know the scruffy beard and everything and he's kind of down in the dumps and then especially when they kiss charlton seems super excited about the kiss and elliot's kind of like yeah, let's just see how this goes yeah that was like a good kiss that was a make out that was a, that was a good make out yeah i said what a kiss yeah what a kiss baby so the end of our boy Elliot. That's all oh, God. So, probably ah. the, that's like a sad ending for him, even though it's so happy. It's like an underwhelming ending for him. Yeah, Luke, I think I think you're right. I think they just had to give him some semblance of a Something. happy ending. Yeah, it's yeah, that's good. And what I'm gonna say kind of leads in the next. So um they're saying, like, any luck finding our missing students, Fox says. The last we see of our sweet, sweet Julia and Penny, Elliot is is giving them kind of research to start looking. I think I would have liked it better if Elliot was with them when they went. Like, okay, like, Elliot showed up to Julia and Penny and was like, all right, let's go. Like, they're all three yeah. trying. I think I would have liked that better as Elliot's last scene, other than him just kind of being sad. Like, I would have liked the hopefulness of, like, all right, let's fucking go. But I liked this for them too. I thought this was amazing. Yeah. And for their storyline. Like I mm -hmm. I felt like it was unexpected. Like I didn't I would have thought that Penny 23 got his wish and they settled down in a stupid house. Yeah. And that would have sucked kind of. But the fact that Julia's always down for another quest, always down for adventure, someone's gotta go find the friends. I just like that it, I, I like this a lot for them. I like the image of like they're the traveling family, you know, they got their little baby, Penny, Julia, and that was the same like kind of baby swaddle that santa gave penny right yep. mm -hmm. yeah. and it's perfect because he can only travel when swaddling that motherfucking baby so it's like the perfect gift julia locks yeah. out she never has to carry hq and i love hq 
this was a super satisfying end for a relationship that I could not care less about. So yeah, yeah, yeah it's crazy. Success I mean, for the show. It almost benefits from being behind or after rather the whole Hyman Elliott scene. Cause it's like this whole new relationship. They just threw at us in the last episode. It's like, I don't know how I feel about that. And then now in, you know, comparison, yeah. this seems so established and like, okay, I'm kind of into this ending. So yeah. True. So any last thoughts on uh Jenny 23? Julia's hot. Julia is hot. Could you imagine this yeah. is completely off t- a tangent back to Katie for a second? Like, could you imagine if in her scene they just had Penny 40 like flash in for a second and like it just ended with him coming back? That would have been kind of cool. Like just completely just cliffhanger it. Yeah, well, I mean <laughs> so, it's gonna be a cliffhanger regardless, but to put him into the no, because that would have made it, everyone it, mad. Everyone would have been like, What? What the fuck? Okay, in my head canon. Penny 40 like astrally projects and just like nods in approval in the background of the New York apartment. And it's just like, yeah, Katie, you're up to good stuff with, with Pete. Could have been exactly that. That's better mm-hmm. than what I said. <laughs> now my head canon is that Zelda gets transferred to the different branch and then she tears up Penny's contract and then he finds a way to get back alive. And then him and Katie, That's Bro, not bad. he takes over love lady's body. Pete says, fuck it. Kyle, I think <laughs> I'm the best number two. I'm so loyal. Fuck it. Your boy can have my body. <laughs> That's good. Thanks. This is the final scene, and I couldn't be happier with this last scene. I really couldn't. Go ahead, Bri. Take us in. So, yeah, it's just Fog, 40, and Lipson contemplating where do you think the missing students went? Like, where could they be? And Lipson's kind of hypothesizing that maybe they were consumed by the world seed and they needed matter to, like, kick off the planet creation process and she is kind of just assuming like it went wrong for them or at least they died in the process of creating this world and fox just like and yet somewhere a wellspring exists so they were successful at least in that and then we have this nice fade to this spectacular new world like right on the water lush greens everywhere and it's fen alice margo and josh just you know, the first four inhabitants of this new planet. And first off, the zoom into the planet from space looks cool. It's like a helix DNA looking planet just sitting on top of that structure. Um, But first comment we get is Fen is running with two knives in her hand. Like, guys, check it out. This place has knife trees. Um, And Margo's just like, well, if it has naturally occurring pizza ovens, you know, Josh comes up with a margarita, just like anybody thirsty. The line that perfectly encapsulated is Fen saying, well, this is definitely not fillery, but Alice corrects her and says, but it's not, not fillery. You know, it's still got that same quirkiness. They're like, it, it smells weird. So we know the opium made it. And they're all like, that's a success. And it's just new fillery. It's it's amazing. It's wonderful. Like you said, the, the potential for the next season was sky high, like through the roof. Alice has her bacon oh, fields. God, yeah. You got to give me that. Opium yeah. stuff. I just like they all have a little bit of themselves ingrained into the world. But we do find out, of course, it only makes sense that there are no traveling bunnies or else that would just make us too happy. Mm-hmm. You know, like that would have been too nice. And then this is going to take us into our pretty much our last bit of dialogue. They basically tell Fen, like, OK, like it's time to bring the people back. This is going to suck. We have to build everything from the ground up, start from square one. But I think it's time we release these people. Fen, you're the uh, <laughs> I think they said. You, you get the honors because you carried the whole world in your cooch or something like that. <laughs> yeah, you earned it. Yeah, and she says, thank you for saying that. <laughs> that I love that moment. It's yeah. like, like, thank you for saying that. I did do that as yeah. is your literal birth mother. 
Yeah, I mean, we talked about it a little bit. Kathleen mentioned it, that Margot is mean to Fenn. And that will literally never stop. But I'm sure that that moment for Fenn, obviously, was just really good. And honestly, I feel like we as viewers needed that. Mm -hmm. I hereby dub thee, High King Margot, the creator. (laughs) Oh, fuck me Dude, the look she has on her face when they're ready, she just... Good little smile, turns the seahorse over, and then, boop, credits. I think the best line of this whole scene is the last line when she says, you guys know our lives are about to get even weirder in some insane way we can't possibly predict. And Josh says, I find that somehow perversely comforting. And then Alice said, that's how I know it's our story. Mm -hmm. Bop. Love it. But it's Margot's face for me. That's it. It really is. It's just the app. Uh, I, I don't even know how to describe it. It just makes me so happy watching her expression when she hits the button. It's just, like, it's so fucking good. Could you what imagine a, just who's luckier in the universe than Josh? Like he just gets to go there with those three. <laughs> you fucking right. kidding me? Like hell yeah. Nobody dude. Literally no. There's naturally occurring pizza ovens. <laughs> it's just perfect. He just found a margarita like with the glass <laughs> and all. Like and I just found this. It's so um, good. What I was going to say, though, is could we get a better, like, representative for to be our, assuming four high kings, Villarreal always has four, like, Josh is just a homie, easygoing, Margo is the one that has, like, you know, experience. the ability to ovary up and leadership experience, uh, Alice is just the wise, she's the yeah. smartest person you could get, and Ben is the Valorian, you know, she is the... Token Valorian to have the soul on of the of the world. Yeah, yeah. She she is the voice of the Valorian people. So I think it's that's a great four to start the rebuild with. And it's horrible that I'm so happy for them because Elliot got none of these four, who are probably the four that he was hoping would be able to stay with him, you know? Yeah. I just like that Fen Fen created it and she's the kindest. Like she is the Valorian, but she's also the kindest. I just feel like this world is just like a sweet, perfect world because Ben's the one who birthed it out of her cooch. <laughs> we'll never know otherwise, so I'll keep that. Man. Yeah, right. Damn, okay, so we're done. Thoughts? Yeah, that's that's a wrap. I, it was really, really good, and I like, last episode, I was of the mindset that Fillory wasn't going to get destroyed, but the more I think yeah. about it, it's a little bit poetic. You know, the series is over, Fillory is done, and they're starting... From new, you know, it's it's wonderful. It, it was it was a really really satisfying ending. Uh, we pointed out pretty big plot holes, but what are you going to do? And generally, I'm satisfied with where all of the characters ended. So that's a win. Yeah, I'm glad that we'll do one more episode. Obviously, of like a like a series thought, mm-hmm, like we did with the 100, which will be a nice little bit of time to step away and kind of gather thoughts on everything as a whole. It is just insane to me when we were talking about how uh, Alice and Zelda's relationship and how Zelda put her in jail and stuff. And the fact that wasn't Alice like meeting up with that chick that was, is that season four? Um, The older woman that she lives with that she moves in with now knows magic. Mm -hmm. That was season four, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just like thinking back the beginning of season five and how season five ended, it feels almost like two separate seasons. Mm -hmm. Like it was just so much shit happened this season that almost didn't feel connected in a lot of ways. But like I had said in the beginning, they really just brought us down on a nice little easy landing. I thought, I thought they handled everything for the most part, very well. The one complaint, the big complaint that I do have, we didn't get to see Todd. Um, yeah. Or Sir Effingham. 
Well, yeah, but Todd, come on. I mean, I know. I'm just saying there's there was some missing people in the end. Like we didn't get to see, obviously, Penny 40 again. We there was no real payoff, in my opinion, for uh, Hamish really being in this season. Right. Yeah. Happy she never happy. You never kissed Alice, though. (laughs) Yeah. Did anything even come out of the whole Penny fucking the, the guy who gave them the disease? Did anything come out of that? They found out about the oh, world seed. About the world seed. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Like that whole thing, they could have figured something better. Like I, I agree with you, Kai. Where like one through six probably could have been its own season, culminating in the apocalypse, and then the seven through thirteen could have been a completely new season with the world seed, and the couple yeah. could have been really fleshed out, etc. But because for a second there, I, I was seriously thinking that when Alice kind of goes underground and lives with the the woman whose name I'm forgetting again. And she discovers magic and shit. Like I had was believing that was the beginning of season five at some point hmm. in this recording. And I'm glad that we worked that out that it wasn't, but it was just seemed like so many fucking things happened. One thing that I mean, <laughs> we, we do get obviously, you know, hope's middle name is Quinn, but I would have liked to have, you know, a mention of Q at the end while they're in the new fillery. You know, the question I kind of have is, it would have been super interesting to see how Q dealt with this whole plan of blowing Fillory the fuck up and creating a whole new one, you know, because the world granted it's a new Fillory, but it's not the Fillory, you know, no one felt the connection to Fillory the way that Q did. Obviously Fenn lived there and Fenn kind of filled that role a little bit, but Fenn's not fucking Q. We know this. Margo did. So, I, I would put Margo up there. Yeah, that's a good point. But I would also say that, Marco's relationship with Fillory is more of like a motherly one. Yeah. While Quentin's is like kind of the land that saved him. So I wouldn't say that because Margo also in season one tells us that she was not as big a Fillory nerd as Quentin was, but like was obsessed with the books yeah. as a kid. Like she was dropping quotes directly from the books. Like I couldn't do that with Harry Potter, you know? Yeah. Well, I would argue that the bacon bit is a Quentin shout out without saying Quentin's name, because the the reason she loves bacon so much is he feeds it to her when she comes back from being a Niffin. Yeah, would, but that's yeah. not like, I it's, mean, that's it's an immediately Alice thing. What I thought. It's immediately what I thought. And when she talks about bacon, I think of Quentin, but he did get shout outs multiple times. It's just it would have been really nice to have like a previously used quote from him just be the the na- <clears throat> like the the over voices that like faded out from like the thing that would have been really fucking nice yeah. yeah but it's also i mean the just kind of the mark of like a truly great character that a season on we're kind of wondering what he would think you yeah. know and wondering what he would have done while they were doing this and i will say yeah i mean he does have a shout outs i like the line in the first scene with santa when santa says like you weren't going to pass up on a mystery you thought your guy was working on yeah i liked how he called him her guy. You know what? I want to just say that if Quentin wasn't the season, he would have been the Fen. Fen would not have gotten all the clout she got as the Florian, yeah. uh, like OG owner of yeah. all the Florian lore. Like, like Elliot would have had that conversation at Umber's house with Q, not Fen. So, do you guys agree that if? Like, no, yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah, okay. he would have been the one to pick out the globe. He would have been the one to talk to the seed in the end. There's just a lot there. I don't know. Quinn's the man. He's he the best. We're still talking about him every episode, basically. Yeah. And he is still the main character. Like, as much as Julia stepped up for a little bit, and then, like, there was a combination of Elliot and Margot kind of being in it, was, it's still always Quinn. Like, there's still a slight void of the main character. 
that's that's respect. Yeah, I agree with that. It's, it's also interesting when you say that asking who I would think the main characters for this season were, I would definitely say Margot and Elliot. And I would honestly say that we're kind of reflects in the whole plot lines and everything of how crazy the season was. It was all over the place. And those two kind of yeah, it's are hard, all over the place. It's hard to remember, but everything up until the mid season break with the moon and stuff, Julia. it was really Julia. Yeah. I mean, she, uh, Sir Evingham went to her and was yeah. like, I have a quest. I'm here to kill Julia Wicker. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Is that thing loaded? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what's the filbert line? Is, is, <laughs> is that thing registered? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's he's a scratching good. himself. <laughs> oh my god! But yeah, so anyway, we're gonna get all of our deep dive thoughts and possible other ways that this show could have ended. Some open ended discussion. We're gonna deep dive the shit out of all that in an additional episode that's gonna come out, you know, over the next week or two. Titled but, what, Kyle? Do you remember what you titled it? Peaches and plums, motherfuckers. Yes. <laughs> love it. Our peaches love and it, plums, it, motherfuckers episode. So, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have awards. We're gonna be talking about ratings. We're gonna rank the seasons. We're gonna do all that fun stuff. That's just gonna be a wrap up after we can, you know, get our thoughts together. But as always, we gotta end this. We got a strong. fun uh, bang kill marry. Two of them, really. So we'll try and make it quick, and we're gonna put a little twist on it. So we're calling this one bang kill marry best friend edition so there's four slots open with our new fillery people <clears throat> and our earth squad so let's start with new fillery and we've got alice josh <clears throat> fen and margo let's clarify real quick implications or not no implications no implications no Just implications meaning judgment yeah, yeah meaning yeah. like if you kill josh margo's gonna be really mad yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> we'll save that for the last so one. no implications in this one just truly who who you left with on New Fillery? So I I suggest we snake draft this one where whoever's going to start is going to end. Who does anyone want to start? I'll go first. Okay. So we're talking New Fillery, correct? Yes. Okay. So, oh man, <laughs> I am going to marry Margo because Margo's the best, and like we said, Josh is the luckiest guy on both worlds. So I want to be the luckiest guy on both worlds. <laughs> So me and Margot will ride off into the sunset with our fields of bacon, our margaritas, our naturally occurring pizza ovens. I got to bang Alice because every time she's in one of these, you just got to bring it up, man. I mean, the bazookas. <laughs> I need to know what it's like. Um, and this is funny because these are two characters that I really, 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 really like. And it pains me to have to kill either of them. But there's no conceivable universe where I could ever kill Josh Hoberman. So, and since we're doing no implications, there won't be any jealousy from Josh. So me and Josh will be boys. I'll bang Alice. And then me and Margo will get married. Unfortunately, that means Fen will have to die. Uh, she'll have to meet an unfortunate accident with the knife trees. <laughs> but if she was going to go out, that's the way she would probably want to go out. So That's so true. It sounded sh so shady, you calling it an unfortunate accident. <laughs> yeah. yeah, guys. Fen These things happen from our walk. There was an unfortunate accident <laughs> at the knife tree. These things happen when you when you're not gonna marry me and you're not gonna fuck me. <laughs> you're gonna die. I can go next. <laughs> I'm gonna marry Josh. I just think that would be so fun, so loving. I, there's nothing wrong with Josh. He's perfect. I'll marry him. 
I'm going to bang Margo because hot fuck, that is going to be the funnest bang wow. of my life. You're going to bang Margo? Ben is going to be my best friend. Oh. That means I am killing that girl, Alice, even though I wow. love her to death. Um, I just think that in a marry, bang, best friend thing, Alice, if I'm not banging her, then I got to kill her. I mean, she's not that fun of a friend, TBH. She's moody as fuck. And yeah. <laughs> like you can, so... Either way, I mean, I'm banging Margo, but she's still around. I can still make her my friend. She's not your best friend. She's not my best friend, but <laughs> she's jealous. She wants to be my best friend. So wait, Kyle, you married Margo? Yes. And then you married, uh, I married Josh. Josh. Okay, I'll, I'll go next because I'll keep marry it diverse Alice. here. Of course, I'm going to marry <laughs> Alice. My bias towards her is unreal. She's blonde. She's the smartest. She's the shit at magic. We would just have a great relationship. And... I got to know, baby. Hey, you got to know. <laughs> so I'm going to marry Alice. Uh, I'm going to, for obvious reasons, be friends with Josh. He's the Fresh Prince. We're going to do all the drugs. He's going to teach me how to cook. I can't cook for shit. So there's that. And then I have to bang Margo because she's amazing. And this was pretty much my last. It's, she kind of just fits right into that category because between bang and Margo and Fenn, I don't think it's too much. Of a of a choice there because you know these other three characters are S tiers while Fen's an A plus tier. I just think she's the she's the natural kill here. Which leaves me, and it's gonna be more of the same boys. I mean, Josh is the obvious choice for best friend. Come on. Uh marriage is that's a little bit harder. I'm going to give Margot the edge just because I think she would be the most interesting. And like we've all pointed out, Alice has her own issues that would probably make her kind of a, a little bit of a bummer to be your wife in the long run. So give me Margot over that. And Fen's a little bit ditzy. I don't know. That could be annoying. Margot is always going to keep it interesting. And then for the bang... I'm taking Alice, if nothing else. You gots to know. <laughs> yeah. So we'll leave can. it at that. Sorry, Fen. That, that's that's a hard one, especially after this season. It made Fen a much more difficult kill. Yes, agreed. All right, B-Toms. Snake draft this bitch around. You're up for Earth Squad. We got Elliot, Katie, Julia, and Penny. Okay. 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 Yo, this one's tough. This one I'm glad I'm going last. Way I have harder. the answer. I have my answer, right. but it took me way longer to, to pick this one. This one's easy for me. <laughs> All right. This one's easy for me. Ooh, doo -doo. I also came up with it. So, okay. We got Elliot, Katie, Julia, Penny. Elliot has to be the best friend. It has to be. <laughs> You'd end up falling in love with him, dude. Well, I, I was debating him being the marriage, too. But, like, those are two strong candidates for a eligible bride. So I'll have to give the marriage to Julia. Just drop that gorgeous. Like, she's also the nicest of the group. Like, she's just kind, always inquisitive. Like, she would just be a nice companion for life. Like, so I'll give Julia the marriage. Penny's such a jag at this point. Like I am so over Penny. Luke, you're you're rubbing off on me, but even Penny 23 isn't doing it for me. So I'm gonna kill him, which leaves Katie for the bang. And you know, that's that's not a horrible consolation. So those all fell into place nicely for me. But yeah, El Elliot's the only one that's he's definitely the best friend. Borderline marriage, though. But I yeah. am so upset yeah. because we have the same exact answers and I had the same exact struggle of what was I doing with Julie and Elliot? Who am I marrying? 
And so it ended up falling in place. I'm going to also marry Julia. I'm going to bang Katie because Katie was close for marriage too. Like uh, anyone but Penny. Penny was the easy kill for me, obviously. He's useless without his baby. And I'm not fucking hanging around with a baby. Fuck that. So (laughs) we're going to kill Penny. So it's Penny's baby, not Julia's baby. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah Were you not the one sure. that just definitively said, no way that baby's last name would be Adiodi? It would be a wicker. <laughs> what the connection thing? It needs to. Oh. That's so we're true. killing Penny. We're going to marry Julia. She's beautiful. Could not marry Katie. Couldn't get myself to do it in this situation because she's probably not the easiest to deal with. She's got a lot of emotional shit going on. But <laughs> and then Elliot's the easy best friend. He's the most fun to party. I'm going to live in the fucking physical cottage with him. We're going to be boys. Yeah, so I have the same answers, and I would just like to say that Elliot is my best friend does not mean I still can't bang him, because that boy it will bang anybody. He's fucking fun. But yeah, marry Julia always. I was between marrying Elliot or Julia, of course. I love the best friend. I wish the best friend option was always in this, because it makes it like so fun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, kill Penny, Jag, totally agree, Brian. And bang Katie, because yep. Sex I was magic. actually was like I had Katie as my best friend too, and then I was like, mm, no, I can't. Wow. That, it's like you want to bang Elliot, you know what I mean? Like Elliot will do you right, uh, but I could still uh, I still hold out hope that I could bang him later. So. Kyle, what's up, man? It looks like you're about to say something controversial in the clean chat. Sweet doesn't sound like a clean sweep. No, it doesn't look like one. It's gonna be a clean sweep. Ah! It's, <laughs> it's so hard to find like legitimate reasoning for another combination that is like airtight throughout, you know, I think you could argue like one person over another, like you could say Elliot over, you know, Julia for marrying, but then kind of leaves you with other decisions in other places. And it's just, I think what it boils down to is Penny. Yeah. It's just kind of the weakest link by far. So he gets killed. And then I just, you gotta marry Julia. Yeah. And Elliot's got to be your best friend. So then, you know, you bang Katie. Yeah. Not a bad life. Not a bad life. No, no, no. The dominoes start to fall once you decide Penny's the odd man out. And you're like, yeah. well, I mean, it just makes sense. Um, I, I just want to raise this question. Battle of the best friends. Who would you prefer, Josh or Elliot, as your best Josh. friend? Josh. 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 Yeah. Yeah, Elliot is a very damaged and flawed human being. <laughs> well, he yeah. has had his more than his fair share of character growth he is damaged goods but goods nonetheless oh wait hold on honestly they're both the funnest people in the whole world they both get oh yeah lit and party and josh will just feed you while he's motherfucking doing it josh being able to cook is yes that's the angle also and i i would agree i would say that they both have the equal chance of you falling in love with them kathleen mentioned how you could fall in love with elliot and that boy will bang anything I could fuck around and fall in love with Josh. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Honestly, my marry was Josh Bang, Margo, best friend, Fen. We can have a foursome all the time. This four love, they, they already bang each other. We're all werewolves now. Fuck it. <laughs> it's cool. Damn, man. It's over. <laughs> it's, it's over. Series wrap. Feels weird. I no, mean, we got, we got one more, so it's not really over. It's now. devastating is what it is. What a great show. Oh, it got stronger and stronger as the series went along. I would say season three is the best, but I thought five just felt so fun and wacky and just through the roof. They just turned it up to a thousand. I loved it. There were some peaks in five. We had the moon episode. Yeah, I would say almost, you know, I mean, this is obviously could be just recency bias, but randomly if i was to throw on some episodes they might end up being from five just yeah. kind of one-off episodes to watch 
I mean, I would love to do what is it, five and six, six and seven. That would be a nice, just like quick two watches right there compared to anything else. I'm excited to watch season five on my next inevitable watch through of the series because in preparation for this podcast, it was the second time that I had watched it and seasons one and two held up way better than I thought they did. I thought three and four were head and shoulders above the rest, but it's a lot closer than I originally thought. On first glance, I think that season five is probably the same way, probably the worst of the five, but still very strong. If I watch it from start to finish, yeah, the peaks are very high. There's there's no cue. I mean, that's pretty damning. That's that's hard to replace. Uh, the peaks are high. The Apocalypse episode is probably top three all time, maybe behind, you know, the Elliot, the Mosaic episode. Life in a day. And yeah, I'm forgetting one other one that really sticks out. To... Timeline 23. Timeline 23 is the other one, but like you'd be hard pressed to find a better episode than the apocalypse. So I... I'm I'm excited to see how this season meshes with the previous four when I just get to watch it in a straight shot. Mm-hmm. Because I... yeah, I think just... you'll really cherish the idea that they are all together and a lot of the season, and you'll really cherish just the pairings, being able to binge it all the way through. I think this season gives us sure. that where others necessarily don't. It was it was quite the honor to be the rook for the magicians. This is a show that all of us at Bingetown love so much. And it was definitely nice to just have that carved out spot every week. Just no scheduling conflicts. Just like I'm on every episode. Let's get it, baby. So you have no idea who's going to be on this episode. Well, me and Kyle will be be there. I'm sure. Yeah. So good. It, it, it's such an unbelievable show that like, I don't, I'm not going to say it's the best written show of all time or anything of that nature, but I just, it's going to be impossible for me not to have this in my top three, 20 years from now. Like what's going to yeah. be better. Kathleen, I know you put up an Instagram, like a uh, story at some point within the last month or two, just saying like, what if my favorite show ever is behind me? Yeah. Like I that's, did. there's going to be a day where that's true. And what if it already is true? Because this show is just, it's going to be so hard to break. I this know. love that we have for it, right? Mm-hmm. It brought Binchon TV together pretty much too, besides the hundred, like ugh, it's so good. I would I would say if we as a podcast ever have the luxury of being able to go back and start an old series from start to finish, this is the one we would do and we'd go back and do the first four because it's universally loved between the seven of us. And- it's not off the table that we could just totally do what we're going to do with the hundred at some point where we're just all pick a favorite episode in the first seasons and just one off it and just have a good time and drink and shit. Yeah, definitely. I mean, in rewatching the first four seasons in preparation for doing this Rooks and Vets season was the best. It's so fucking fun. And then also it's, it's so, it was so fun how we were all doing it and we were all kind of at different parts. So everyone's kind of just like texting when you hit a certain part and sending the chat. Everyone's like, Oh dude, yeah, great episode. Like, Cause this, 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 you know I mean? It was just fun doing that too. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. I'm just gonna shout this out because it has the same chaotic energy. If you need another show, it's not as good as the magicians, but it's pretty fucking good as why don't Earth. give it a I shot. fucking knew you were going to say that. It is. It's the same chaotic energy. My friend Avery just finished the magicians last night and just caught up with Winona recently. She binged the same it, in the last month. She binged all of Winona and all of magicians. Damn. That's a real friend right there. And yeah, dude, I know. Right. It's great. Nobody watches this except you guys, but you're all Does I she like anyway. the magicians better. Yeah, but she, I I asked her. I'm like, don't you think it's so similar, especially when you get to seasons three and four of Winona? It's that same, just savage, chaotic, like fuck this, fuck that, like yeah. all it's, and then just of course sci-fi wacky shit that makes no sense. 
but it makes complete sense. It's awesome. <laughs> so give it a shot if you want it. If you want another show that's similar, um, I think it's fucking phenomenal. I've watched it four times through already, and I started it last May. I, <laughs> oh my God. I respect the hell out of you using your platform on a magician's podcast yep. to petition for everybody to watch Winona Earp. Yeah, and I I've seen the, the magician through 15 times, probably, <laughs> so it's a comfort show for me, so whenever I'm sad, I just put it on and binge the whole damn thing. But. You've seen it 15 times and didn't know that uh, that Rube blooped out of the Well, I haven't seen I've only seen season five <laughs> twice. Just kidding. <laughs> but, yeah. No. All right, B-Toms, take us home. Yeah, that is a series wrap on the magicians we had a lot of fun doing this rooks and vets for season five hopefully we get to revisit some of the previous episodes some of our favorites because we cannot stress enough how much we love this show the magicians tell all your friends who haven't watched it to watch it so we can grow the fandom i mean this show is just chef's kiss it's it's money and we just had so much fun doing this with you uh we mentioned last episode that we might have a little something something in the works so stick around we still are working on this something in the works uh you know we're bench town tv we always have our irons in the fire but as always, if you like what you heard, give Finchtown TV a follow on Twitter and Instagram. Visit us on BinchtownTV.com and subscribe to our show on Spotify, the Apple Podcast app, or wherever else you may find your podcast. Once again, we are Binchtown TV, and thanks for listening. Peaches and plums, motherfuckers. For real, for real. For real, for real. Love you guys. Crazy. Good yeah. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 